0: Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse, episode two nine two. I am Peter, and joining me is not Matt. Unfortunately, Matt is helping his brother who's moving back to the mainland from Hawaii this this week. So these these tied That's up for a of week, stuff, right? Moving away from Hawaii.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, depends on your reasons, I suppose. Maybe. I mean, sure. I'm sure people do it for for lots of good reasons, but just as a general rule, like, I've never been to Hawaii. But generally speaking, it's considered one of those places that, oh, yes, that would be a good place to go and live. I mean, all of
0: his family are not there, so maybe it's just a loneliness thing rather than anything else. And I'm sure but it's not... I the impression that, that Matt's dad lives in Hawaii, but I could be wrong. Oh, you may be right. I is that your stepdad? It doesn't matter. We're just speculating <laughs> aimlessly here. Yeah. Uh, another good reason, and I don't, this is not the case in this particular instance, but another good reason could be that you've developed some sort of skin condition that the heat in hawaii is is potent against so you need to go
1: that's back that's just copying ginger <laughs>
0: <laughs> aye, so yeah you I can, and... I can take the hint uh, aye, aye, well there you go uh so <laughs> cars here just in case that wasn't obvious
1: <laughs> at this point
0: yeah yeah i um, around yeah so as a dc couch podcast we get together we talk about the books that came out this week what little of them there is in this particular case um obviously there's a few that we don't read and that's it's just there's just a anyone who reads comics regularly knows that sometimes the way things work out is you just have a light week even if even if the company's week isn't light necessarily it just works out that way based on what books you're actually reading at any given time yep. but uh yeah so what's coming up today you might ask well coming up today we have detective comics 1052 we have superman son of kal-el issue 8 we got Batgirls issue three. Cora read a couple of stories from Urban Legends, Batman Urban Legends issue twelve. That is, uh, and of course, I read Batman Catwoman issue ten, and that's it. That's the five books, and only two of them, I believe, are ones that we both read. So, uh, fun time. Detective and Superman, come on! Why are
1: you looking? Yeah, yeah, girls? no. I was the the problem was I couldn't remember the full list. it was like, what was the third book that you you read that I didn't? Oh, okay because I, obviously I, I know um, I know I read Eternal Legends and, and you read Bat Cat and I couldn't remember what the other one was already i just, it's just gone, I'll find out when we get there well
0: uh, that's the plan, that is the plan for the day so yeah, really weird week because less books, less people and well, the hope was because there there is some news to get to but because of the news we thought there'd be solicits for this week we thought oh that's great, I'll be an hour long, that's the show easy peasy, right, the show's going to be healthy because solicits are going to be there there's been no solicits, which means next week, when there's more books, we're going to have a super long episode, so look forward to I that. Say,
1: I don't think it's that bad next week, either. Oh, is it not? Okay. No, I think it's a relatively lie week, too, which, well, you know, is, is nice. We'll find out at the end of the show. We'll, we'll look
0: properly, but, yeah, uh, yeah so, um, alas, here we are. So, we have plenty of time this week, so... Why would we ever not do the comicology top ten? I mean, we have got time for it, so. Well, maybe the last time ever. Life will find a way. I'll I'll find the top ten. I'll I'll find something to use on a weekly basis. <laughs> I'm not giving up this opening segment. It's just it's it's, it's just a, it's a good icebreaker. It sets the mood. Everyone is into. Everyone it. Everyone does not like it. Everyone is not into it. People love it. Uh, you know, I, I get messages on a daily basis. You know basically talking about how it saves some lives and how you got one message once that said hey i don't mind this second no life saving is what it was there's mm-hmm. it's, it's literally people have been standing on a ledge on a building saying they're going to jump and someone like whips out their phone and plays an episode
1: and they play the comic shit <laughs> top 10 and it takes them back off the ledge that that well, is what, how... what happened there was they went oh shit it could be worse i could be having to listen to that every week <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yes yeah, so, uh, Kawaii Sochi Top 10 at the time of recording uh, is as follows uh, number one is Star Wars, Dar- yeah, Star Wars Darth Vader issue 20
1: I'm happy with that although I'm surprised it's been you know it's rare that the Star Wars books are the top book they're usually like you know top five but huh? uh, number two usually... is
0: Devil's Reign issue 4 that's the top king i sorry Tom Taylor <laughs> uh, Marvel book I think right that's the one he's doing? That's
1: no, that's Dark Ages. Oh, what's the Devil's Reign Devil's is Darski's Daredevil run event. Ah, okay. There you go. That's, that's that's old Chip, yeah.
0: There you go, Chip's doing well. Uh number three, the the the, the currently highest DC book on the list. Care to guess what it may be?
1: Uh, is it Bat Cat? Nope. Superman Son of
0: It It is. Tom Taylor's name carries some weight these days, you see. Uh, Superman Son of Kal-El doing not too bad. So that's uh, issue eight from this week, uh, number three. It number. That like, is
1: actually very good because Superman books, obviously they sell pretty well, but they still, as a rule, even at the, at the best, tend to sell lower than Batman and Detective. Batman for sure. I'd say it's. Let's say Detective, I think,
0: maybe. Rotates with it, depending on who's on what book and what's going mm-hmm. on.
1: Sure, but if it's if it's a if it's a run of detective that people are into, it tends to sell better than most Superman mm-hmm. books. Still, I feel like people are into this run of detective now, right now as I, I well. I do, yeah.
0: yeah. 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 So, it's a good thing. Uh, number four is uh, Critical Role Vox Machina issue five. So, people who know what that is know what it is and care about it, and everyone else I can mean, move you on. Know, their you, life. Surely, you know what it is, Critical Role. I don't know what it is, but I, I'm am saying like if you don't know what it is, you just you just don't care about it. It's no, that's fair. It may as well be a Fortnite comic.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that is that is no shade towards Critical Role. I'm sure I have it's never enjoyable. Watched a Critical Role because I have no interest in watching people play, you know, tabletop RPGs like that in in an unproduced format that that it is. Uh. Not knocking it, just you know, not for me. But I did. Uh, I have watched like two thirds of the Amazon show that they've been putting out, the uh, the animated one. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, not mind blowing, but solid, enjoyable enough. Uh, number five is Amazing
0: Spider-Man issue eighty-eight point B E Y.
1: I was wondering why that was so much lower than than Amazing Spider-Man usually is. It is because it's a it's a point B E Y. Yes, it's a your your sort of event going on, sort of extra tie-in issue. I don't even know what event that is. <laughs> I'm going to assume it's Beyond that it stands for, but I could be wrong. It's, but I've never heard an event called Beyond. Let's have a look at the cover.
0: Spider Man. Yeah, it says Beyond, and it's yeah. So it's Beyond, it's called. Okay, I have no idea what that is. Enter I'm very out of the, loop. the Slingers is the title of the issue. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to tell you, okay? Look, they're determined to have Spider Man have more issues in total than. Every single Batman comic combined, because they're just pumping them out a weekly, just to yeah, uh, get there soon enough number. for numbers right. Uh, number six, back to DC Batman Catwoman, uh, issue ten, still selling relatively well, um, based on the name value, I suspect. Uh, number seven is Detective Comics issue one thousand
1: fifty-two. Uh, that's the lowest it's been during this arc, but only by one space. So yeah, it's good I hold. have to assume it just means the other stuff's selling. Better rather than this issue selling particularly worse.
0: Yeah, very and even if it is worse, it's like it, this is literally the midpoint of the this twelve issue thing. Now only dropping by one space halfway through is not a big deal. I yeah, would
1: say. it's a weird thing, because obviously you, you do expect drop off issue to issue, story by story in, in every comic. That's you know, factored in till it hits a base threshold. But that's usually significantly lower than this. Yeah, it's just and, a- uh, I do wonder if the fact that it was you know, weekly and it had to be ordered so far in advance compared to monthly that maybe you, you, it hasn't seemed as dramatic. That wouldn't affect digital sales anyway, so.
0: Yeah, well, it affect digital sales, but I do wonder if, um... what's funny is, though, is that they, they didn't get around to selling the first batch of issues until after the final order cut off of probably the second months of books. So I wonder if, like, at least from the the physical sales perspective, if the third month is notably down across all four issues just because it came the final order cut off for that month would have come after they started selling the first part of the the 12 issue series Mm. so i wonder if like that affected it or maybe up maybe it went up because then people don't seem to want to buy it and maybe they ordered more i don't know yeah Uh, but uh, i suspect that you might see like a very consistent physical number for detective for the first eight issues of the the run and then it'll go up or down depending on how well it actually started selling
1: it's very plausible that that could happen yeah
0: yeah well i mean detective's not like an unsafe bet for comic shops i don't think they kind of know how well it's going to do at this point yeah uh new mutants issue 24 is number eight number nine is the secret x-men issue one I no idea what that is
1: hmm.
0: i'm just kind of clicked on it um
1: i guess it's a new series yeah. Not a one-shot or anything. I, I'm surprised because I thought the new series would have st- held off until. Because you got like Gillen coming in to take over the the main book in. March no, or nothing April. about the
0: cover or the title or the description suggests it's anything other than an ongoing. It just and says yeah. issue one. There's no limited. There's no, and it's 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 a regular size,
1: regular priced comic. The looks of it. Have a look on League of Comic Geeks. See what they. Uh... But it
0: could be a one-shot. But it doesn't say anything on the cover on comicsology, and then number ten. Just while you're looking that up, uh, X Deaths of Wolverine, issue two, is the uh, number ten comic. Um, yeah, that's all right. No, it just, seems to be a new series. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the Justice League Annual uh, was number twelve. Just to sort of round out where the DC stuff is. Batgirls is coming in at what thirty, forty, fifty six. Number sixteen. Then Joker's at seventeen. Urban Legends at eighteen. So basically, the rest of the DC books are clumped together. And a couple of slots down after that, you've got I Am Batman and Robins. So most of the DC books are on the first, first, first page of the, the, the top selling books right now. So I,
1: I would be interested to see, Robins, how much the sales digitally are different on... Because I'm assuming you're still checking the UK comiXology. Mm-hmm. I wonder how differently that is on the US comicsology because Robins comes out on the DC, uh, DC Universe Infinite like digital, digitally like a month before as well so i wonder if if that, there's enough subscribers that, that are interested to just read it on there that it impacts its places on the comicsology charts it may depend on what format you
0: prefer yeah it might yeah and stuff oh no actually i think that's the same format i think it's still just
1: released as a full issue i don't know if it's i think I it's I think, I think it is just a full issue yeah, yeah it's, 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 not sp- it's not
0: split up as a digital you know, as, as a lot of digital books are um, I don't know. Uh honestly I just checked the US Comixology, which is a very similar top 10. although nobody that Darth Vader books a few entries down, interestingly. Hmm. Uh but it's, it's mostly the same books in the top ten just jumbled around a little bit. Uh but Robins is actually one row up. It's actually technically better selling in <laughs> the US comicsology store. No, yeah, that's
1: that's fascinating. Yeah, it tells me that maybe a lot of people Still, just prefer to buy them on Comicsology rather than subscribe to DC Universe Infinite, which because the the people who that book is kind of appealing to tend to be the sort of people I feel would be interested in a subscription. Maybe
0: some people, even though it's digital, maybe some people just like collecting. They like just you know adding, adding issues to their the library. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just what yeah, they like. Nothing doing. wrong with that. Uh, well, till Amazon screw it all over this week. <laughs> uh so that's the comic top 10 for the week uh happy days um yeah so there was one bigger bit of news really uh you know direct dc news that came out this week and it's basically just given a name to something we kind of already knew about and or at least suspected heavily is that obviously death of the justice league from williamson and co In issue 75 the final issue of the current Justice league series was going to lead into some kind of event that was a very obvious thing from the the second they announced all that stuff and uh, now we have a title and it's a title that funnily enough we have joked about them using before uh in fact there was a time when metal we were speculating might be crawl, called this and that title is dark crisis they're finally using that title um and this is kind I, of,
1: I, I love metal and that's i still stand by that it could have still been the name of, yeah, of what it could, they
0: called it. it could have been called that yeah it would, it would have made no difference obviously they get to use it now because they didn't use it before so <laughs> happy happy days in that sense Uh, So this is obviously going to be Williamson, and it's a seven-issue book, although there's a couple of little lead-ins that are coming before that as well. Uh, The traditional free comic book day special, which, you know, it says Dark Crisis issue zero special, but it's got multiple writers and stuff, which to me suggests that there's probably going to be like a ten-page, you know, actual issue zero Dark Crisis story, and then a couple of other things that probably are related to stuff that's going to be happening around Dark Crisis, but from other books, so it'll be other writers and artists and whatever else. the
1: most interesting thing about this... Potentially, the 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 comic book day, free comic book day thing specifically, mm. is the fact that you see are continuing ahead with participating in free comic book day, which is a, a diamond endeavour. No, that's good. They see some value in it,
0: clearly. Um, especially for similar this, but this is a bigger event. Here's a teaser, you know, for free. Come and buy the rest of it. Thank you. Uh, and then there's also another prelude issue coming out at the end of May. So, so free comic book day is seventh uh, of May. So that's at the start of May. And then May 31st, uh, there's going to be a one-shot called Justice League Road to Dark Crisis Issue 1, uh, which, you know, it, when this is all collected, I assume you're, whatever the short story in the 3 comic day issue, and then this one shot will be at the start of the trade, and then you'll get the seven issues of the main.
1: And if they're not in the trade, it's because they're utterly inessential.
0: Yes, yeah, so if they're important, they'll be in the trade, and if they're not, then you shouldn't care. <laughs> yeah. Uh, But obviously we'll cover them, and they're part of the fun of these big events is the build-up and what they're doing. Um, They did reveal a few things. Pariah is going to be the villain and is going to be wielding the the darkness, the great darkness beyond the multiverse because he wants to bring back his multiverse, which is now going to be known as Multiverse 2, which is another multiverse in the greater omniverse. DC, I love how tangled a web this is becoming.
1: (laughs) Mm, I give it 10 years. 10 years and, and, and... This is this is getting blown to oblivion. Not this specifically, but everything. Because they're building so much, it's yes. getting blown to oblivion back down to just, no, it's one Earth, there's no multiverse, there's nothing. Yes, this, uh, it's yes. the only logical conclusion.
0: Yeah, but that'll last for about another decade or two, and then they'll bring everything back. This yeah, is the obviously. cycle. This is it the is, cycle.
1: the DC cycle, yeah.
0: <laughs> this is important. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some covers here to look at. Um, there was a nice big two sort of, you know, wraparound cover to look at with a lot of characters. What's very interesting about that one, I think, in particular, is all the Justice League members, not all of whom had coffins in the previous art and stuff that was released, But maybe, so I don't know if they're all technically dead or if it's just more of a symbolic thing, but all of the current Justice League are sort of, like, in the sky as, like, force ghosts. And then underneath them, you got John Kent, Jessica yeah. Cruz, Wonder Girl, uh, Captain Marvel, Nightwing, Wally West. You got all these characters, sort of, front and centre, on all that. the legacy characters yeah, uh, except Hal who's not a legacy character but he's there I guess he, he's like the, the uncle the cool uncle who's going to be around to help all the legacy characters out. <laughs> well, but everyone else is legacy well, yeah, I, mean, I mean
1: he's kind of a legacy character
0: technically i am not counting i'm not counting someone who took a main mantle in the silver age's legacy i mean i know I know there is a golden age green lantern, but hal jordan is the is the main green lantern of the modern mythos
1: While while I agree with the sentiment there, I think the uh not counting someone who took the legacy of the silver age that's maybe um because then you're saying Barry Allen isn't a legacy character.
0: I feel similar about Barry Allen. I think Barry Allen and Hal Jordan are in the same boat. I think they kind of became the de facto flashing Green Lantern. And we think of Jay and Allen as the Golden Age, as the alternate Earth, as the JSA the version. It's only because of
1: time being removed enough from it that they spent a long enough time as...
0: Oh, yeah. I have no doubt that some 70-year-olds are, like, gritting their teeth at what I'm saying and be like, how dare you?
1: <laughs> yeah, first. I, I just think, for of all, they, they are objectively legacy characters.
0: Yes. If we're going absolute on technical merits alone here, yes, they are technically legacy characters. But I, you put Hal Jordan next to Damian Wayne, Dick Grayson, Wally West, Jessica Cruz, and co. Like,
1: he sticks out as being of a very different generation. Yep, yeah, if you throw Alan Scott in that picture as well, then all of a sudden you go, yeah, he's a legacy character. So it's just about context. Is Alan Scott a
0: legacy character?
1: No, so you'd be saying that about Hal if Alan Scott was in, in the oh, okay. Okay. Well, I think, I think the other thing about
0: about Hal specifically compared to Barry is that because the Green Lantern mythos also is so removed from what Alan Scott's Green Lantern mm-hmm. ring is, I think there is a clear like distinction.
1: Yeah, sure, I, I. this is why I was saying I kind of agree with your sentiment. I think there's a fair argument about Hal, but I think...
0: Because he is billed as the first human Green Lantern in the it sense that he is. he is the first
1: member of the Green Lantern Corps who is a human. Yes, and... and, and which, which is why I actually agreed with your, your sentiment overall about HAL, and now I'm just arguing for the sake of it. But the, the line about the, the, taking the, leg, the, the mantle in the Silver Age is the part I take umbrage with, because then you're discounting Barry. F- fair, fair.
0: Um, I mean, I would agree Barry feels more legacy, and I think that's partly just because you see a lot more of Barry with Jay. In a lot of Flash comics. There's was more of a family. They, vibe they have with them. a
1: relationship. Yeah, by, at least these days, obviously they do.
0: Yeah, whereas Hal and Alan, like, I mean, I'm sure I mean, they've interacted, but I, I don't really think of them as having a lot of like dinners with each other <laughs> or something, you know. Yeah. Uh, so there's a bit of a, a different sort of feeling there. Um, anyway, it sprawls off at of the back page with some villains, and at the bottom there's, there's more legacy heroes, just sort of like you know, tons of them, all just sort of lined up. Um, so. I do I do like a lot of these characters that are kind of featuring on this main page. I love that Jessica Cruz, who I felt... Who is my favourite Green Lantern. Who has became my favourite Green Lantern throughout Rebirth. And I don't think she's been... You know, obviously she was in Just like Odyssey, which and died quite some time ago. I don't feel she's been that prominent in anything for a while. So it's kind of nice to see her on the, the front of the cover of this. Uh, obviously, Dick and Wally featuring heavily next to John Kent as being what we think of. Because we think of Wally and Dick as the two main... Like legacy characters, they are the, they are the, I don't know, the team captains of legacy <laughs> heroes in DC. In, comics. in the modern sense, definitely, yeah. yeah. Uh, so them being there with John Kent, who's kind of front and center because he just became Superman, is, is kind of a big deal. And You got Damien and other characters. Uh, obviously Black Adam's the other one that sticks out. Has not really been a legacy character, uh, in a sense. But
1: let's go cool. Yeah, not really.
0: I'm, I'm sure uh, Shazam and Black Adam being on the cover, though, is, again, going to be relevant in some capacity and whatever they're going to do in the plot. But it's just interesting to look at it and see what's there. Villains-wise, we got an interesting bunch. Yeah, yeah. Obviously Pariah. Yeah, he's the one at the back, right in the red, um, looking down. Uh, but you also got... Uh, is that Black Hand there, I'm seeing? Uh, I've
1: got an article here that has a bunch of them. Oh, is there just uh, Listie Duggo on, then? Uh, yeah, it's a separate article. Uh, you got Eclipso. Uh, um, I see Eclipso, yep. yep. He's in the, the left. Spectre. Who is, I think, uh, it, it mentions here that Pariah is like pulling the strings of them, but because obviously Spectre is not inherently a villainous character, but he is included with the villainous lineup here. Where's Spectre on this cover? I don't see Spectre. Uh, maybe it's a separate image they, re- they released. Oh, maybe, there. yeah, yeah. I don't see but, him on uh, this cover.
0: I, I see what I think is um, I see the Side obviously I see Doomsday in the back uh, I see um what's his face that, that is not helpful what,
1: what's what? His face,
0: it? fairies I was just I was like fairies yes. the, the Wonder Woman villain God damn it, I was just trying to think of
1: who his name was it just, <laughs> yeah, just uh, escaped uh, my mind don't... uh Necron um hmm. uh, the empty hand is apparently the guy with the horns. Okay. Oh no, yeah, yeah. That,
0: that, that I mean, he I, I, I wouldn't have remembered it, but now you've said it. Yeah, he's he's in current Justice League incarnate. He's been in the last couple of issues. Right. Okay. So that, that makes sense.
1: That, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and um, this article also mentions the upside down man uh, from Justice League Dark. Oh, he's not in this image, but cool. No, and it mentions Deathstroke as well in this article. Yeah, so, he's on I, the I'm
0: cover. Not... He's he's got like a sort uh, of like a half and half thing with Batman. These these where the Batman face becomes deathstroke in the middle. Yes, I see it. Oh. So cool. Yeah. I mean I'm 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 into it. I'm sure i we'll have fun with this. Hopefully this is Williamson sort of like ascending to an even bigger type of story. But at the same time, I don't think Williamson's as capable as some of the other writers who have tackled stories like this. So I expect I'm going to have fun, but it's probably going to be, you know, flawed in places.
1: Yeah, I'm I want to be excited because, you know, big event. But I have struggled with a lot of Williamson's big concept stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh especially recently. I kind of like found a lot of it kind of a mess. And I've struggled to enjoy it. So I'm not actually that excited for this. I'll I'll try it. But yeah. yeah it's hard hard for me personally to be excited. That's right. You can be the, the Debbie downer. And... I know, I know. So I'm good. Um
0: so yeah, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll go with that. Um but hey, cool. Um, so yeah, that's Dark Crisis. Uh, the free issue and the prelude issue are coming in May, and then the main series, I think they said starting in June. I'd expect it to, anyway. So... I'll probably run for the rest of the year, then. Yeah, I'm tall. Yeah, final issue. And Assuming there's no delays, the final issue should be in December. Yeah. So, that's cool. That's cool, cool, cool. Um... Not not quite news per se, but there was kind of a weird scare that Jeff Johns was a dickbag this week, but then it turned out to be a false alarm because EVS was uh, using a ten year old photo to suggest that he was hanging out with Jeff Johns.
1: Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's been other stories about Johns over the past few years, but uncorroborated. But if he'd cut, if it, if if this had ended up being true, that yeah, this been was different. No. This, that,
0: this was just like he's going to go on a known like, neo-Nazis podcast. Like, that 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 was, like, a... Like, yeah. it, it, it looked very bad for a little bit, and then people started pointing out, like, oh, wait, no, this is an old photo. And then, of course, nothing materialized because he said it was going to be the next day, and then nothing happened. So, uh, yes. But the real, the only reason why I'm bringing this up, because I don't even necessarily think it, it's worth bearing discussion, other than the fact that I've seen other places who posted the image and started, like, like saying, oh, he's awful now, we have to boycott him, but then never seem to like see the updates that said, no, no, this is a fake photo and, or not a fake photo, but it's an old photo and this is, this is
1: not actually happening. Which, so, I'm, I'm sure for some of them it's just ignorance. Yeah. It's, it's an awkward thing with the way Twitter works in that, okay, the thing gets traction and people see it, but then the the update or the apology or whatever it may be that you know, clarifies things. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily get the same traction, so it doesn't reach everyone who saw the original thing, right? Yeah. So, so I I
0: just I think it's worth mentioning just for the sake of saying no, it was bullshit. Um that's yeah. not to say that John's is innocent of everything or he'll never have a problem, but at the very least in this case, this thing is inaccurate. So uh it seems worth spreading that part of the story a little bit since some people don't seem to see the second part. So yeah. uh worth mentioning. Uh, so there you go. You wanted to talk about Amazon and comicsology, so by all means.
1: Yes, I do because, <laughs> the, uh the the official merger. I mean, on the you know the the site migration and app migration occurs this week, and it's a goddamn shit show of a mess already. Um, yeah. So this this kind of came up this week when it real uh it realized that a lot of creators were getting worried because. If, uh, you, you buy a bunch of digital comics, do you mm-hmm. subscribe to any series, Pete? I used to, and then I stopped, and I
0: can't remember why I stopped. I, okay. think, I, um, I, I think I just, I, I like going in on whatever day, I mean, it's not always like a Tuesday or Wednesday, sometimes it's later in the week just when I get around to it. But there is part of me that likes going in, and just sort of like, okay... Now I get to buy my books. It's like you know, it's like the feeling of going to a comic shop and taking them off the shelves and just being like, "This is the one I'm looking for," and this one I'm looking for. You know, it's no, again, it? it. I'm the same. I like the process of doing it. So I, I, I have toyed with it in the past of like being subbed, and it is kind of nice because they actually appear like in your account. Like at the time, it was Wednesdays before it was before they switched to Tuesdays for DC. But at the time, like the new books, you, you could search for them and buy them from like 9 a.m. UK time on the Wednesday on release day. But they'd actually appear like in your account to read at like seven a.m. So if you if you were subbed, you actually did get them a little bit earlier, just because they kind sort of automatically went in. But uh, other than that, like there's you know it's digital comics. There's no real reason to feel the need to subscribe.
1: Well, I think there are valid reasons for it for a lot of people, and that um a lot of people forget, you know, the, you know, to go every week. They miss books, and then they're like, oh, where's this? And uh, for some people, it's just a an easy way of routine and. Even financially, it's like, okay, I can see all of these. This is what's coming out every time.
0: I, I think, I think the, re- the other reason why you probably don't want to subscribe to books on comicsology like that is just because sometimes they will include things in the subscription for that series that you don't necessarily want, like maybe an annual that you want to skip. Or you know, there's, there's not an easy way to just say, I want to opt out of this extra special thing that you're doing as part of the series. There's no easy way of doing that, other than just cancelling the subscription and going back to it afterwards so uh
1: Fair. i still think like though they're good for a lot of people even if even if we don't use them uh but they basically don't exist outside the u.s after this week so as of <laughs> as of this week anyone who has any subscriptions have been cancelled if you if you're in the u.s you can set them up again through the amazon kindle Comicsology storefront that, that that is you know I think it's gone live now. Though we talked about that last week. But it's becoming... Comixology will redirect to this page. It's, I think this week is what they're saying. So you can set them up on there to subscribe. If you're outside the US, tough shit. Subscriptions are gone. You can't have them anymore. Um, because that's... Amazon can't handle that, apparently. What's weird about that is that
0: Amazon's such a world worldwide company that offers its services all over the planet. It's kind of weird that there is something like yep. that that's going to be US specific. Uh, it's
1: I mean, bizarre. My general
0: feeling about all of this now—that's something that might never get fixed because it sounds like one of those annoying things are just never going to deal with. My general feeling, though, with the rest of the migration is that it's probably going to suck for a while, and then over time, a lot of the little things that people are annoyed don't exist will probably be fixed or added and smoothed out.
1: But it's annoying, given that those things exist already, and we're no, it losing. Is. Because some of the other things that are l- we're losing, um, sorting your books by series, like you know how at the minute if you go on Comicology, you can just click, oh, you know, the Batman, and you, you know, book, and you click Batman, and then all the Batman comics are within there, It's like a subfolder. Yes, that's going. So you won't be able to do that. Uh, Smart list, um, if you use the app, uh, not being there for the foreseeable future. So I, I, smart lists are how I use Comicsology. quite a lot, because I use just, say, okay, this is your, the recently purchased, currently reading, like in progress tab, and uh, unread are kind of the ones that I tend to use in the smart lists. Recently purchased is very handy for the new books, yeah. Yeah. Their, their new advice is, um, so for example, you have to sort by recency, read or unread, and filter by in progress, and kind of just tick through the things that you want manually to filter through to get your options, which is a lot more hassle than just having the things there. I, I, yeah. Uh, you can't archive books anymore, because I know a lot of people do that with books that they kind of don't want in their library. Yep. Um, this is specifically for the the web reader, as opposed to the, the app. But uh, if you read on a PC, on a desktop, on, in a browser, good luck. Just, just good luck. Um, I don't know if you've seen the screenshots, but double pages do not work. They, uh, they keep the size. So basically, you've got the the single page that is essentially the full page in the middle of your monitor. The the way that would work at a single a single page. It then essentially letter boxes the top and bottom and puts the the double page just in the middle of that as well. So it's a very small box in the middle, and there is no way to zoom in. Uh, you can you can get a guided view if you really want it, but you can't actually zoom in. And when you do go to guided view, it doesn't go to a higher resolution image. So you're still stuck reading low-res text just zoomed in, basically. It um, doesn't really apply to DC and Marvel because they don't do this, but if you get books that have DRM-free, mm. you know, the ability to back up and download your, your books DRM-free, which a lot of other publishers do, that's going away. Um, you'll be able to still get the ones you've already bought, but all the ones that you've had before are are gone. Uh, Or or new ones will be gone, sorry. There's just a lot of problems that are just unnecessary. And it's clearly a far inferior experience for at least the foreseeable future. And the the problem is with Amazon, because we've seen them do this with other services that they've taken over, like um, Audible or even something like Goodreads where they, they purchased them and basically updates stopped. We, we saw less with Comicsology as well, where updates just didn't really happen, right? It, it, the, the site, it, it hit a look, it hit a style, and that was it. And, yeah, then they, things kind of got worse and they, you know, the, the, the experience didn't get any better. And because it's Amazon, there's no one there to compete with them because they're the only ones with all the money and, you know, the, the links of these publishers. So because there is no competition... How many of these problems will actually get fixed remains to be seen, yeah, so I, honestly i'm I'm really not looking forward to this new integration this week
0: I mean nor am I, but like there is no competition, there's nothing you can do about it, really. I'll just complain at them and hopefully they fix some stuff um yeah, I, yeah so I'm just uh, i' like, I'm, I'm not I'm not spending effort thinking about it as is, is what I'm saying
1: I mean. I am, because it's a service I use, you know, multiple times a week. So it's annoying. And I'm sure that pretty for a lot of our listeners. That and Hey, you no, know, this, is, this is annoying, especially, like, the, the buying things. That's, that's so frustrating if you're a person that uses subscriptions. I know a lot of creators are unhappy because, see, it means that there's probably a lot of people that won't migrate subscriptions that won't regularly go and click buy because they don't remember to. They just have it pop up that they're essentially losing out on money now.
0: Which is funny, in a way, because it's kind of acknowledging that X portion of your reader base wasn't actually reading your comic. They were just sort of forgetting they were subscribed to it and letting it charge.
1: That's not necessarily true. There's a lot of books that I forget about that I, like, not not forget about, but I would forget to buy if I didn't have my shop pull it, because I don't check every week, oh, this is what's out this week. I just, like, oh, I just trust my shop to pull my books. And I'm, I enjoy those books. I love those books. I, I read them. But if I w- if I didn't have my shop pulling them every week, I would miss issues. I know I would because I yeah. Don't but missing share. issues is irrelevant
0: for digital, though. That's not like the same debate because with digital, if you realize you've not been getting the issues, you can go back and just get them at any uh, time. It
1: reminds me when to read them, and two, uh, I think this does apply to digital in terms of from a from a creator standpoint in terms of your financial gain. If that person doesn't notice at first because they're the type of person who does just get that, or maybe they think it's gone on a break for or you know or it's delayed or whatever. Um, if they're that sort of person, and then by the time they come to it, the price has dropped by a dollar, you as a creator are making less money from that sale, when you wouldn't have been before. Yeah.
0: Which which sucks. I I, I don't... I, I just don't have strong opinions on this for whatever reason, even though it's going to annoy me just as much as anyone else. Um, I just... I don't know, you've been bringing this up for months, and I'm just sick of talking about it. <laughs>
1: Because it's the biggest shift in digital comics in years. <laughs> I'm just,
0: <laughs> there's just... There's always so much, like... Uh, there's so much, like, things to complain about, and I, I'm just... I, I just don't have it in me. I don't have it in me to go on a tirade about this. Something else will spark a fire in me later, but I I just I don't have it in me to rant about this. We'll, we'll see how
1: you feel after using it.
0: <laughs> um, we'll see. Um... Yeah, okay. Well, there you go. I suppose that's technically also still news. Here endeth the news. <laughs> Definition of news. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Oh, well, you know, Well, it it like, it's a weird week, all right? What do you want from me? It's weird times. time to get into the comics already. It feels odd, but here we are. We're to start with Detective Comics 1052, Mariko Tamaki writing with Max Rayner on the art. Uh, next part of the tower storyline and um, we kind of see another perspective of the event that happened towards the end of of last issue which is kind of Murdy and Chasey's perspective of the outbreak and then everyone going to sleep from from Psycho Pirate Uh, with a bit more context to her and some more investigation stuff from the the back girls and Batwoman on the outside so that's that's the main gist of the, the story in this one, how did you feel about this chapter?
1: Ah, uh, it's another solid chapter. Um, I I do. I did feel the pacing a little bit on this one again. I think with probably about half the issue, kind of recovering events from where we were up to last time. Obviously, it does go beyond that, and this does have it does have the extra perspective of being from Chase. Uh, so I'm not saying it's completely without merit, but I definitely felt like oh oh, half of this book, give or take, is kind of where we were up to last week already. And I I was wanting a little bit more advancement, I think.
0: I think I mean I'd probably agree this might be one of the the least like fulfilling issues, I suppose. I mean, and that sounds even more negative than I want it to. I just mean it's it's maybe on the lower end of the issues so far in in the story. Just purely because it it does, like you say, not necessarily go past too much where we were last week. But I do actually really like the idea of getting the perspective of exactly how both Chase and Huntress both, like, kind of reacted during this, and how Huntress, like, snaps into action immediately, because she's back to being herself, because all the, the controlling's went away. Um, we kind of saw that last week, though, right? Um, we saw parts of it, but I mean, this is, like, we see the moment, like, she, she like, yeah. wakes up here, right? You know, because she's in talking to Chase, and she immediately just snaps into Huntress mode and goes to, like, try and, like like you know, find Dick or like call Nightwing or whoever and like she, she says, you know, call call Doctor Fro, like tell her what's going on. Uh so there is kind of like this seed that's planted that sort of leaks out into the Bat family that so they, they get like a hint that something went down. Because uh, because the official stories there was a gas leak, uh they say. And like Oracle's like, checked and it's like, no, there was no gas leak. There's nothing like that going on. Um so but I think the panic of seeing Tracy's perspective, like her trying to dial the phone and like being terrified as all all this fighting's going on outside, um, is pretty good. It's one it's one of those things though where you know it is half the book until we're kind of past the same thing we ended with last time, and it t- it actually took me a minute to realize oh we're just we're doing the same event you know we're doing yeah. this is the same one from the end of last issue. because at first I was like is this happening again the next morning? It feels this is a bit weird. I was like oh no no this makes more sense. It's the same one. <laughs>
1: Yes, and it's it's not that it's without merit, because there is, you know, a new angle that it's telling here. It's just, I, I, I wanted a little bit more out of it, I think, by the end.
0: I, I think, Joe, Joe, honestly, Joe, I think it probably is. I think the, the two places where it feels a little excessive is probably one that there's kind of like a little flashback to Meridian at the start, uh, talking about encountering Batman. And then also that we go through all the steps of, like, Psycho Pirate, like, sort of putting everyone to sleep again. Um, I think those are the two things. Like, I think if it was just like four pages showing you Meridian's side of this where she's in the office and it all kicks off and then she's scared on the phone, I think all that stuff's super valid and all that stuff feels, you know, essential to what you're sort of building with the story and the, 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 mm-hmm. the, uh, all the building and all that. But uh, it's it's those extra elements that maybe it's just a case of, um, okay, this is 12 issues, they've mapped out the story and the the chunk that's mapped out for this part was just a little bit shorter than it needed to be.
1: And it makes me wonder and and i don't mean to sound like really harsh here because mm-hmm. this will probably sound harsher than i mean it is this 12 issues because they had a 12 issue story and this is the 12 chunks or is it because that's a nice round 3 months of comics that we can go have weekly and now we need to maybe we had a 10 issue story that we're going to stretch out into 12 i mean
0: i i, I think I don't think it's binary. I I, I think there's maybe a, a, an argument here where it's like, okay, I've got an outline for this story, and it's about this many issues, right? Mm-hmm. And they go, okay, well, you know, he said it's about 11. Make it 12. You know, like and it's like, okay, so maybe a little padding there. Uh, a little bit more extra atmosphere here or there just to sort of get up to that number or something like that. Um, but it also could be a thing where maybe one of the ideas, like, Oh, this doesn't quite work. Oh, so all of a sudden, like, there's, there's maybe like a third of an issue that doesn't quite have something there. So, yeah. oh well, I'll expand on this a little bit then. and do. It. And sometimes that that'll work well, and sometimes it'll you'll know, feel like it is maybe stretching things a little bit. Um, but like I say, like most of like the 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 meat of what's in this other side of this event is actually quite good, and I really like what it adds to the just how scared she is. Um, the idea, you know, this information gets out to Batwoman. Um And the fact that this she makes this phone call is relevant because, uh, you know, Dr. Weir's monitoring the, the work phones and he hears it all and, like, fires, you know, quote-unquote, Dr. Fro <laughs> immediately. um yeah. So, like, there's there's definitely advancement here and then them looking into like, some of the people who have gone missing and, you know, I, I really like the page of, like, you know, this extra phone call she makes to Dr. Fro where she doesn't sound quite right and then we see her because she's like, oh, I'm so sorry I made that phone call, I was overreacting. And then we see, like you know, Psycho Pirate, and and we're right behind her, and she's and he's like, "You feel shame, you feel and shameful." I really
1: like that bottom panel of that where he's just going, "Shame." Yes, and it's you know the close up on her eye.
0: Yeah, it's it's really good stuff. Like
1: that, all that stuff is really
0: great. Um, and yeah. the idea that because because we know that like they've they've worked their magic on the Cano because Chase is complaining early on, the Cano's like starting to go ahead with things without her finishing her report. Uh, but then here you see they're now using it on her as well. So, um. Yeah, and then the, the other little touch that I did like, the one thing I did like uh, them adding to the other Psycho Pirate stuff is Dr. Weir realising that he also got put to sleep, and he's like, wait, did you do it to me as well, you prick? He's like, look, I had to quickly just knock everyone out. Like, I was in a rush. It's complex. It's hard to like, specify who it's affected and not. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, no, I liked all that stuff. Uh. So the the Bat Ladies um, are looking into... Uh, the stuff that's gone missing, some of the people that's involved, and some of these, you know, quote-unquote movies, right? So they're establishing this They sort of clarify that a lot of these criminals are seeing their violent past. Uh, they're remembering them as movies when they weren't really movies. And that's Should kind of- a hint cover- of uh, in earlier issues. Yeah, we were kind of speculating on that a little bit because they kept bringing up uh, movies a lot. And it leads to them figuring out that maybe there's something going on in the underground city. That's where the base of this this gang is. Uh, and sure enough, uh, Batwoman, Cass and Steph go down and um, beat the crap out of them and find all the supplies. So, uh, you know, uh, I enjoyed. Uh, you know, it was fun seeing them in action. They're finally getting <laughs> to do something, be proactive. Uh, that's kind of neat. Uh, back at the tower, we see Huntress um, being kind of confused and not really understanding, you know, why her hands are bloody, what went on. She's getting, like, flashes of, like, moments of her fighting. The, you know before she get knocked out and she starts chatting to anna Volshan, um who's also talking about like you know these movies that they're remembering that there's something not quite right uh, and we know that huntress before they get knocked out was sort of racing to try and find dick or try and like find something to leave a message and the final page here at the end of the story is that she wrote in blood under her bed his hold is breaking so Again, you've got this idea that everything's like slowly just leading towards disaster. Like everything's breaking down. Uh, and this thing that's happened is going to happen again. It's going to be worse next time. And so on and it's, so on. So
1: obviously, we've seen how much worse it gets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is cracking at the seams. And you know, this is the the halfway point now, right? So yeah, yeah. It's presumably about to start kicking off in the next couple of issues.
0: Yeah, uh, so I, I still like everything the story's generally doing. Uh, uh, you know, it's just that thing where maybe there's maybe a third of this issue that feels like it's maybe padding out the uh, the story a touch. But I, I generally liked everything else it was doing in the story. And I, no, I, lo- I agree. And I love the uh, all the Bat ladies getting to be like the the focus of the heroes here. It's kind of nice. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Nightwing's no, not really knocking around much this uh, this issue.
0: No, you see him in there. You know, during the fighting, during the riot, but. Uh that's that's pretty much it. Uh and, and even having Batwoman with the Batgirls just feels different. It's like, oh this is kinda nice. And then Huntress being a vital, you know, a vital part of it as well on the inside. Uh it, it does kind of feel like a celebration of a lot of Bat family members who don't necessarily always get that much attention. And
1: Yeah. That's good. Kinda it's kinda nice to use when they use detective for that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that
0: is. Uh so I had a good time. Uh, uh you know, with the story. Uh the art Mention the Psycho Pirate page; that's really good. He's he's you know, he looks really ominous as he's saying shame and all that. Um, typically I liked all the stuff, with the fighting with all the other Batgirls and Batwoman. Um, plus the setting of the underground city is kind of nice as well. Um, kind of like the vibe of that down there. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, the only part of the art I wasn't massively keen on, because and and for the, I really do like a lot of it, especially that Psycho Pirate stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, is the opening flashback with uh, with Meridian. I, I get that it's. Maybe trying to do, do a slightly different style to evoke that it's a, a different time period. Yeah. I just don't think it lands quite as well as the rest of the book.
0: Yeah, Meridian, who has a bomb strapped to her hand because the Joker's pissed that she's been given Harley therapy. This is back in the early days. Or, yeah. But that's what it's sounded like, anyway. Because <laughs> uh, she mentions that some psycho's girlfriend is now getting therapy from her. And then broke up with him. Yeah, so I suspect that's Harley and Joker. I mean, I could be wrong, but that was the first.
1: It's definitely the the implication. I think,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, in uh, the backup, uh, which has been ongoing here, is um, you've got this the, the ginger kid. He's with Elliot in an ice cream shop, and in walks Jason Todd, uh, doing some sort of casual reconnaissance, talking to them, and finding out that they're they're working for Penguin and. That's Elliot's yeah, like, yeah, we kill people for Penguin, it pays great, uh, th- and all the rest of it. And he, he informs Bruce later at dinner that Penguin's paying kids to murder for him, and Bruce's like, I've not heard any of this. And we know it's not true, because the rest of the conversation with the kids is like, wait, why did you lie to him? He's like, because reputation matters, man, on the streets. People are yeah, believe he, the worst. Basically,
1: Jason's a, a gullible little shit.
0: Yes. I think what I like to this is Bruce says, I'm going to go check it out. And then we see like matches Malone at the iceberg lounge. I'll be like, ah, oh, there you go. That's really nice. Yeah. I kind of love that we don't focus on that though. It's just that it establishes that he's there looking into it because he would be, but he's not the focus of the story. The the kid is. Um, so we stick with him. Uh, and then Elliot tries to convince uh, the ginger kid to go in and help steal from Penguin, which we, and we know Penguin's one rule really was, you know, don't steal from Penguin. Um, it's a good rule. And they're in snooping around. He doesn't really what to do it. But then they kind of get caught in there because Penguin comes running right because Batman's in the iceberg lounge. And
1: he'd picked up his gun because why not? So now he looks extra guilty.
0: Yeah, he looks really suspicious and gilly. Uh And they say that oh, there's like a sort of like a trap in here where if you hit a button, like all these cages will come down. It's like a security system. Uh, so Batman comes swooping in and the kid hits the button, locking Penguin with the Batman. And. Penguin's like, why did you do it? Because part of me was thinking the kid was going to somehow earn earn Penguin's trust because Penguin has been relatively nice to him. But instead, he makes the choice to leave him with Batman and just leave in fear.
1: Because clearly he's a sociopath and probably, you know, has some
0: problems. Mm. But then he runs into Jason and Jason disarms him. Um, And what's interesting here is he says that he recognises him. He's seen him before. And Jason, like, obviously thinks, oh, he may be recognising me from from the diner, from the ice cream place. And what he actually means, though, because he mentions it on the next page, is that he's seen Robin before, but it was a different kid. Now it's a younger guy. Um, and obviously, this is like, oh, so and a- a- his time in Arkham, you know, when he broke out, some time had passed. Clearly, we've switched now to Jason from Dick. Uh, so it's interesting to sort of track this with a bit of
1: the timeline and sort of see where yeah. we are. Uh, him, so- him in the back of the police car yelling that you know, Batman's making an army of boys is... Kind of funny, but also like kind of sad.
0: It's funny, it's sad. It also ties in nicely to what Scarecrow was doing, effectively yeah. uh, earlier in the story,
1: which is kind of nice. But yeah, you have to think maybe the, the the lingering effects of that extreme dose is kind of kind of play this up for him.
0: Yeah, even just this idea that this is a standstill is that he's scared of Batman. He sees Batman as villainous, and that he sees Batman as recruiting boys. And hell, even Penguin is doing that. You know, him and Elliot are been recruited yeah. by penguin for kind of similar pro- i mean it's presented in a more normal way because they're like being hired uh, in a sort of an employment yes, role cheap, but- labor is cheap. <laughs> yes exactly but instead it's very you know like i'm yelling you know, at you,
1: know you know the real reason penguin does it right are smaller than him. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> yes, is. It's the, only, it's the only way he has employees that he can tower over.
0: But I, I do think that last line is quite prominent, and it really sets up like his his viewpoint and the idea that he sees Batman as this villain who's doing this horrible thing. Uh It makes me just you know interested to see where this character's going. And as much as he is a bit unhinged, as much as he has some some problems, ultimately I can kind of see why he he sees this particular detail this way. And that it's unhealthy that Batman's training, you know, multiple young boys. So, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, and Blanco's art is obviously still very good. Uh, a lot of this stuff at the end takes place in, in the red, which contrasts nicely with the dark, muted blues and greens of the of Penguin's office from before. So, it's yeah. a nice contrast. I, I feel
1: a little bad for Raina, because his art on the, the main story is solid. Like, for the most part, so, I, you know, it's, it's good. Mm. And then you just get to this stuff with Blanco, and it just it's like, it steals the issue, doesn't it, in terms yeah. of just the, the visual style.
0: But, I mean, the fact that there's only, you know, eight pages per issue is why he's able to do this uh, consistently. Oh, yeah, you know? And even then, I'm sure he got ahead a little bit, because that's still more than a full comic per month. Yes. So, uh, but no, uh, you know, solid stuff. I'm, I'm still intrigued with where the story's going with the kids. He's uh, so done a really good job of in, making it intriguing and making me kind of see... Okay, where does this fit into the Gotham mythos and the the Batman mythos? Like, I'm curious. So, no, cool. Uh, All right, what are you rating the main story?
1: I'll give the main story a a generous seven. Okay. And back up? Uh, That's an eight, for sure.
0: Hmm. Uh, I'm also going to go with a seven for the main story. Uh, I wouldn't call it a generous seven. I'd say it's just an eight seven. But... Uh, still digging the story overall uh, and then back up uh, yeah I'd probably say just a nice solid 8 uh, so cool there you go that's Detective Comics 1052 take us on to Superman Son of Kal-El issue 8 Tom Taylor writing seeing Tormi on the art and we left last issue with John dealing with this giant monster who came from the sea who was awoken from the sea and also the Gemora core who showed up and just wanted to kill it uh, one of whom gets killed in the process of trying to intervene. And this issue is very much the end of uh, of the two-parter of like fighting this monster um, and the debate of what's going on there. So it, it essentially boils down to John is constantly trying not to fight the monster, but this core keep engaging it in combat, and it just leads to like, another one of them being killed. It leads to the monster retaliating. The monster jumps up and back down, which creates a tidal wave at one point. So... Uh, John and Aquaman have to like try and deal with that. Uh, John goes down and does like, a Superman clap uh, at the bottom of the ocean.
1: Yeah, this was one of the only elements of the issue I'm really not keen on. Um, Which, this is going to sound petty. <laughs> From you? Petty? Yes, I know. Never. I, I, I don't like when Superman in general is just able to deal with what is essentially a natural disaster? I, I know this one was specifically was caused by a mm. monster, but just, yeah, okay, he can deal with tsunamis. I don't I don't really like the idea as much because then it's like, well, why, you know, it's, especially with things like tsunamis where you do tend to have enough warning before they hit mm. land. Why is he not always dealing with it? It's different to why is he not stopping all crime, I think, whereas, because natural disasters, they're pretty massive, right? And I think we've even seen issues like... um the first issue of the Greg Pak run, which was the uh, the zero year time with the storm and the floods, and uh, and it, it ultimately was, it was just like, no, he's just as powerless in the moment as kind of everyone else. Doesn't matter how much he tries, there's only so much he can do. And I don't know, I, I think I just it's because I prefer that take on Superman that this moment kind of falls a bit flat for me.
0: I think to try and defend that a little bit, I would say that two things. One, is it as big as an actual natural tsunami? So is it, is he stopping something to the same extent? I don't know. Uh, two, it does look like the city does still get pretty flooded, you know, from the, the, the panels we get towards the end of this. It still looks it like does. it does.
1: doesn't negate entirely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It,
0: still, it still looks like they're under like, you know, a meter or two of water. So it's, it's not like he's completely solved it. He's just stopped it from killing everyone, but he's still not made it. You know. Oh
1: yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying he like fixed the problem entirely. Absolutely not. Um, so you know, I, like I I can see what you're saying though. Um, but
0: yeah, so so we have like you know the the Bendix, you know, calling the shots, and like he's basically manipulating the core every turn, every time. Like John, because John multiple times in the issue tries to tell them, tries to reason with them, say do this instead, try and hold your, you know, don't kill him, don't do this, don't do that, and every time like you just it, it, it like almost cuts to Bendix as he says, yes, we can technically follow that request and use it to our advantage, and then like they'll do something else instead or. You'll see, oh no, we have to show our force, we have to show how capable we are. So haven't that. Yeah,
1: I... and we're seeing they're being remote controlled, essentially.
0: Yes, yes. And now that's sort of further established later when you get he gives it, his speech. It is. Yeah. But
1: we see it here, like when, when they're asking, Oh, should we go back to the city? The guy asks it's not one of the people out in the field. It's it's a guy in a in a seat with like a headset on. Yeah. Turns and looks at him. And so it's it's very clear that it's okay, these people are not of their own free will doing these things. I do love the visuals of the monster jumping up, though.
0: Uh, it's a nice touch that the title page is literally with a full-page spread of the monster starting to rise out of the water. Because uh, it's called The Rising. So when it says The Rising Part 2, it's like, oh, there's literally something rising on the page. Uh, obviously, that's not I, what they I think
1: the panel where it, it's, it's like a, the photography shot of it in midair is a little bit goofy. Sure. Uh, next page after the title. Yeah, I can see it, yeah. But overall i i really like at the 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 panel landing yeah um eventually arthur
0: you know uh, og Aquaman, if you will shows up as well to uh, sort of just with the clean up and helps out at the end uh and yeah very... they
1: get to the point where he does he goes and grabs a chunk of the the seafloor and kind of pushes it back the seafloor just being there to widen the surface
0: area i, I actually did like the the conversation that led to this though which is that because jay says can't you just push push the monster back you're strong enough right it's like well yeah but i'm too small so it'd be, it'd be like a needle try to push against an elephant it would just cut through so yeah. the idea is he has to get nice big flat surface to spread out the force so that it's more of a gentle push uh, i thought okay that's actually makes some sense I, yeah I, I get it um so fun stuff um you know then lex is sort of watching on and like, if anything, I would suggest that Lex. Like, I feel like Lex would probably be okay. I need to intervene. My city's starting to take a bit, of, a bit of a pummeling here. I think
1: there's a point where Lex is like, "All right, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting out." I think he, it's not quite there,
0: but it was close. Yeah, because he, he turns to Bendix and says, "Hey, Bendix, um, my city's sinking here. Um, <laughs> like, you know, just it. I mean, he doesn't actually say do something or I'm going to do something about it, but I feel like that's kind of in the tone. Is like, hey, my city." <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so there's,
1: there's definitely an unspoken implication
0: so yeah but yeah so superman you know uh i mean, I mean john here when i say superman <laughs> uh grabs the fist of one of the the, the uh the Gemora core because there's only two of them left at this point and insists that they go back to the city and they kind of like use it as almost like a pr thing at this point because when superman does go back and he's like sort of like Picking up, like, the the bodies of people who have died and w- water did make it to the city. Uh, you know, it, 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 uh, Bendix has the the course say something like, uh, Look at your silk at the dead. If you'd just worked with us and didn't ch- you know, chose humanity over this monster, you could have saved these people. I think my favourite thing about this issue, though, and it's one of my favourite storytelling tropes, actually, in general, when it comes to Superman, is that I think Superman benefits greatly from a third person narration as opposed to a first person narration. There's something about in this case it's Jay uh, and his like news report uh, or his blog it's or something we've been getting on uh, in the
1: War World stuff, right? Yeah, telling yeah. the story of Superman.
0: And a lot of like classics will have it will have Lois telling the Superman story that's going on, or I'll have someone else tell the story. Uh, or even if it's like a just an unknown third person that's narrating the book. There's something about like talking about Superman and talking about the impact he has on everyone else. Because on some level, I mean, I'm not someone who believes you can't relate to Superman because he's too powerful or anything, but I do think because of the importance of Superman, it's much more narratively potent to kind of relate to the people that Superman affects. So, ha- talking about Superman and having this like third person talk about how Superman's going to blame himself for all the lives that he couldn't save, rather than all the ones that he did save, even though there's much less, you know, even though the number he saved is much higher than the lives that he'd lost and things like that. I think the potency of that all just like really sings when you have a third person, because the th- this third person voice obviously doesn't think this way. The third person voice is saying, no, Superman is a hero. He did the best he could. And he is like, everyone should be thankful for what he did. You know, he is the, the untold lives he has saved. The, the, the hope he's brought to everyone, all the rest of it is, is unfathomable. It's epic. He should never doubt that he's doing good, but it's said with this tone of knowing that John is going to, like, blame himself for the lives that he didn't save. So you find yourself, one, agreeing with this voice, because naturally we are, because Superman's our hero and he's the main character. Um, but I think given that perspective is really... It always sings for Superman stories. So doing it with John relative relatively early in his time as Superman is a really smart thing to sort of set him up. No, no. People are still looking up at him as this larger-than-life figure of this important being who is... Uh, affecting the world of you know all that kind of I think thing,
1: even from a a non storytelling perspective, just looking at the the real world implications for us as the reader of using this is if uh, it's been you know including the future state issues pretty cool, you know coming up about a year of of having John as Superman right, mm. um, but that's still in the grand scheme of things of comics relatively new. I think having this it, it's it, it, it's a it's about reaffir- reaffirming that no, this is Superman. It feels like a Superman comic because it has it has that same that same angle that a lot of the good Superman comics do do. So you know, by treating him in the same way that it does Clark, it, it feels like you know this is Superman.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a notable change and something that that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think another thing I like about this is that you know, if Jay is going to be like the version. Like, in the same way that the Daily Planet and Lois and, and Jimmy were to Superman and spreading the, the good story of Superman. The idea that we're in a new generation, it's a younger Superman for a new a new generation in a new world. The idea that it's, it's online social media and vlogging and YouTube and, like, more, like, amateur news that's spread, spreading his story, because that's what the new world is and that's what new media is. Tying that to the new generation of Superman, I think, is a really smart little touch that works. Even if you do cringe a little bit for time to time when they use like a fake name for
1: a social media or something like that, I think it does work. Um, Yeah, I I agree. Obviously, they've kind of played this with Superman a lot over the years in updating his news format from print journalism to TV to...
0: Yeah, I I do think thematically you should stick with newspapers for Superman, even if it doesn't necessarily reflect what most people actually consume these days. I think it's kinda nice to keep him tied to newspapers and have John be tied to social media and things like that.
1: And I'm not I saying agree, and I think having John enables yeah. them to do this safely now without yeah. worrying about that so much.
0: And I'm not saying that you should never mention social media with Superman or never mention newspapers with John. Like by all means you can ha- you can still reference them from time to time. I'm just saying that as the main thing that is brought up often, like, you know, thematically tied the you know, the new stuff to John. And yeah, versa. and
1: it's it's fine for Clark and Lois to be print journalists primarily. That, but as with every print publication now, they have an online presence, which is just as yeah. important, if not more so. Yeah, the but, articles are still online. That doesn't online, necessarily yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean they're social media based. It just means they are digital. So I think that's that's fine. You knew that was Superman, but that that's a that's still a far leap from having I don't know, essentially viral TikTok videos, isn't it?
0: Yeah, you know, because the whole idea with Jay is that he's he's got this,
1: you know vlog news vlog bad, that he does live streams and stuff right
0: yeah yeah he's got he's got like a live stream thing that he does so i like that i like that as a touch uh after the, the events of everything uh we go to a speech from ben Dix, who's introducing to world leaders his uh his project the rising he says ah because of these and he pulls out an image of the justice league and says because of these assholes like you know we're not in control of our own fate we we're, we're at the mercy of these gods who think they can decide things for us um and I I do love that he brings it up the Suicide Squad he says hey the Suicide Squad Task Force X great idea right great idea to use these villains and we, they, they had bombs in their necks and that's how they controlled them but how about we actually have super powered beings that we can completely control that they they are they can't just you know run off the handle they can't you know like have these motivations that are scrupulous and whatever so instead um I we have made super meta-humans that are completely and utterly controlled by us um, to the point where they're, they're just like slaves. Uh, they are mainly controlled by them. So, which obviously brings up a lot of moral questions because, um, you know, that, you could have easily done this story and made them robots and then, it'd be, okay, that's why they're all controlled, like drones, but right. they're not. Well, they're the people. point is
1: they are super-powered people, right? Yes. That is very clearly the point
0: and you know so their free will has been taken away they're being controlled uh, I'm sure that's some of the themes we're going to be playing and we've been playing with those themes anyway because you know ever since the, the start of the first arc it's been Bendix has been experimenting on these metahumans and using them as weapons Um, but now he's got at the point where he's just straight up main controlling them like puppets so uh, yep. so yeah big things been set in motion Uh, and then Jay and John are on the top of the Daily Planet building at the end and John accepts to join the truth uh, after hearing Jay's report uh, on his phone about what happened that day and thinks he can do some good working with him. So, so again, even then, this is kind of like his daily planet. He's joining this weird group uh, of, you know, yeah. I don't know, conspiracy? Not conspiracy. I mean, that that's sounds a, harsh, uh, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. But they kind of have that vibe and they're a group of people who are trying to expose things, but they're actually exposing real things as opposed to it does
1: and and that's not to say that every conspiracy ever is false because obviously some of them have turned out to be real but it has connotations when you say conspiracy there's, there's a lot of crazy there's
0: a lot of crazy ones right let's just yeah. put it put it put it mildly uh so no i uh, no i i uh, i enjoyed the issue uh i think the the action is good the general idea like i say i think but the narration and the, the the and it was their last issue but it was really heavy in this one I think the narration really sat with me quite well in this issue. It really felt like a Superman comic and not just John pretending to be Superman. And I'm not saying I felt that the whole time, but this felt the most Superman he's ever felt to me.
1: I'm going to say it has often felt like that the whole time, but I don't think that's a bad thing because I think John feels that way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um... But I didn't want to imply that I'm sitting going, oh, he's not really Superman. He's, he can call himself Superman. Oh he's no, not. absolutely. Yeah. I don't
1: mean that either. I just think there is intentionally a feel that he doesn't feel like Superman. Yeah. And John doesn't yet feel well, like he it,
0: deserves to be. Superman. It was the same when Dick became Batman, and you know he he felt like he was inadequate. He was he was doing like a pretend voice, and he didn't. So some imposter syndrome going on, yeah. right? You know, it's natural. That he doesn't feel like he's living up to the mantle and and that kind yeah. of thing. But I, I think this issue felt like a Superman comic to me, as opposed to a comic about John Kent, and that's. That's that's good. That. Yeah, that's, that's an important I think step. And I, I don't know. That's, I do all, They don't all have to feel it this way, but I think if we get one of these from time to time, that just make it feel really. No, this is Superman. Uh, I think that's mm-hmm. really nice. So that's good. Uh, all right, what are you giving it?
1: Uh, I'm gonna give this one a seven as well. I think it's it's a pretty solid issue. Um, I, I'm knocking probably like half a point off, maybe just because of my own personal preferences when it comes to Superman with the the tsunami. But I mean, yeah, it's it's nearly as good as this book has been pretty consistently.
0: I don't want to give this an A. I, I, like I say, I think it feeling like a Superman comic is a really impressive little feat that, you know, I think covers up anything else in the issue that I might not be as in love with as, as a specific detail, but generally speaking, I think it is going places, and well, I didn't fall in love with this as much as say a Taylor's Nightwing book, which is like just perfect basically from I the first issue. I believe
1: the next issue of Nightwing which is the start of the two-part crossover
0: with this book. I mean, otherwise, don't know why you sound so unsure. It says next time uh, we start our story in Nightwing as a, as a crossover. Well, I wasn't looking
1: at that. I couldn't remember if it was the next Nightwing or if it was this, then Nightwing. No, the next one's Nightwing. It says at the end of this issue. Okay, fine. I wasn't looking. Sorry. It says read Nightwing 89 or
0: whatever number it is before you read the next Superman. So there you go. I think it's like next week, to be honest. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So... So they're not in the same month then. So it's this this month's Nightwing and then next month's Superman. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. There you go. Uh. All right. Cool. Uh, no. Good issue. Good stuff. Bad Girls issue three. Becky Cleary and Michael Cornard writing with Jorge Corona on our I, I read this. Connor's dropped it and and Matt has dropped it as well by the sounds of
1: it on Twitter.
0: Uh. I mean, we'll see if he confirms that next time he's here. Maybe but, he, uh... he was
1: he was talking about it on Twitter with me earlier in the week, and he was just saying it, it was really wordy and he, he wasn't enjoying it and that he was probably out. I don't know whether it'll stick to that or not, but who knows, because it's Matt.
0: It is Matt, yeah. You know, we see see where it goes. Uh, I mean, honestly, it is probably the weakest issue of the three so far, uh, which is a shame. I think one of the big problems of the book, which is becoming more evident with issue to issue is that it is determined on spinning all of the, the plates kind of equally, rather than just focusing on one and letting the others be background stuff. Uh, mm. So we we ha- in this, we have the tour, who is this artist who is also using fear toxin to control people. Uh, the cliffhanger issue 2 was uh, Steph being controlled for a little bit, which she kind of gets snapped out of it. And... The best thing about this book, by far, is the interaction of the three Batgirls and their, their chemistry and the dialogue. Uh, for the most part, there's one really weird bit of dialogue later on, which oh. I'll, t- <laughs> I'll, I'll get to. Uh, but you've got the tour stuff, you've got the serial killer stuff, which admittedly is just background for the most part. It's more of a running joke that Steph's just convinced this neighbour is the killer, even though it's like an older man. And it's like, I don't believe he could pick up a body. <laughs> like, I just don't think it's possible. Uh, but then the other stuff, of course, is the Saints, who are sort of still in the picture, and Seer, who is controlling the Saints, but is also feels slightly separate in the sense that, like the the, the way he eventually interacts, does feel a little bit different um, at the end of the issue. So it, it feels like it's spying in a lot of plates, and it's a bit overstuffed because of that, uh, which is kind of a shame, but. Because uh, the actual fight with the 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 tutor at the start, uh, where there's a lot of smoke, a lot of green smoke being sort of introduced into the panels because he's spraying them with stuff, um, is a little bit weird. And then it's like, oh, let's just go home. Uh, that's we've done all we can for tonight. It does feel a little bit stop starty in that sense, in the way that it keeps kind of like sort of just having them leave situations, and then it's like, okay, let's regroup. Which I don't necessarily have a problem with them having cooldowns between things, but it does kind of feel like uh, it's happening like too often, too quickly. Uh, in in the book. But uh the main part of the issue though is that once they're back and they're debating all the things that are going on is that they're going to this art show on a ship because they're showing off some of the they, they think the tutor may strike. Uh so they're going there to that. Babs is talked into going, but Babs goes in as a civilian in a dress. Uh whereas the other two are, are going in sort of like actually you know in costume waiting for the, the tutor to strike. Um, There was a plot thread in the first two issues that a lot of the neighbours in the in the neighbourhood were getting their, their stuff stolen. You know, an electrical device here, a gadget there, something. Uh, They go to this art show and there's like a big sculpture made out of all the stolen items. So they all start yelling that it's their stuff. Um, Some of which makes sense, but some of it's a bit weird. Like someone yells out, that's my X station. So, I was like, how do you know it's yours though? I mean, like if video game consoles in this world are acting like the real world, then like... You can't look at a PlayStation 5 and go, that's my PlayStation 5, like, unless you have, like, engraved it or something. <laughs> they all look the same. You can't look at it and go, that's mine, mine was stolen, so that must be mine.
1: I mean, maybe it has some distinguishing features.
0: Yeah, unless you've, like, put, a, like, a fancy custom thing on it or something.
1: There's enough to do that, you could, could just have a scratch down the side that you, is a specific scratch that you know Okay, sure. Is there.
0: So I, I, either you've customized it, or you've you've uh, not taken it. you've not taken care <laughs> of it, and therefore it's distinct. Well,
1: okay. It's possible.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. So I asked like, my toaster, and I'm like, okay. There's enough variance in toasters though that I at least expect that. Well, it's not a hundred percent. It's your toaster. There's a good chance it is because there's so many different colors and shapes and sizes of toaster in the world.
1: Old of you to assume I'd recognize my toaster without looking at it.
0: I mean, I'm not saying you would,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> I know. But I'm just. My toaster's in my kitchen right now. If you, to- I-, I can tell you it's black. I can tell you nothing else about it. If you give me a lineup of five toasters, I- I'd say I've got <laughs> maybe a-, a 20% chance of picking it. <laughs> um,
0: does it have buttons or dials? Yes.
1: You don't even know that? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think it's got both, <laughs> which doesn't help. I don't know. I don't use it that often. I just I, I put the to i put the i put the bread in. Uh, I push the lever down. It pops up. I don't, I don't look at it. Okay.
0: Um. So a uh, big part of comedy in the middle is that this guy from uh, Bab's Days in Burnside shows up from a college. I I don't know if this is a character who was actually in that part of the book. You know when that run was going on, or if it's just a new guy that's saying, "Hey, she knew him in college." So. What's the called, you know? Oh, uh where are we?
1: Just on the off chance that I'll remember, because obviously I read all the Burnside stuff.
0: Where's his name? Charles Dante.
1: There's a familiarity to Charles, that, hmm. so maybe maybe there was something there. He said he had longer hair back then.
0: Now he's just got more normally short hair. So I don't know, but he's kind of flirting, and the the back girls over the comms are kind of making fun of everyone, saying, hey, wait, is this an old fling? Are you are you flirting right now?" And she sort of like, and this is where the, the the book shines, because she sort of says things that act as a, as a response to both the conversations she's having in secret with them over the comms, but also him. And there's a couple of times where she'll say something to them that sounds rude to him, and, you know, there's a, a, a little bit of that going on uh, back and forth. But the, the tutor is in the ship, and they end up fighting him. Steph ends up having to fight the, the fear toxin off again. She feels a little bit bad that she's... That she's... She feels a little weak linked because she's been susceptible to it twice now. Um, and it's when they're leaving the ship that the 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 saints are watching with, like, sniper rifles, and, like, do we intervene? Like, w- w- you know, what do we do? Uh, they seem separate from the tutor, though, because they don't go after him, and they seem to sort of refer to him like he's not a, an important part of the of the story. Um, I will say, there is a nice moment in the are Where is it here? I'm trying to find it. So when Steph's getting infected by the toxins, maybe a little bit, and Cass sort of, like, is sort of kneeling down next to her, and she looks up at the tutor, kind of pissed is it does this thing where there's a speech bubble, but in the speech bubble, it's like a little angry emoji instead. And it sounds like something that might be annoying. Like, if you described that to me, I may be annoyed by it. But it mimics the angry look on her face so well that it actually, I think, was quite funny. It made it work. That I was like, okay, you know what? Especially since with Cass, she doesn't really use words, so the idea that she's got a speech bubble with just the emotion itself in the speech bubble, like mimicking the exact emotion on her face, is actually kind of a funny joke to me. Um so I, I that was a nice little touch. I like that touch. Uh but yeah, so yes, yeah, so they they go back to base. Um Cass returns like a it's like a a cook pot to like a neighbor because she she heard the guy who complained that it was stolen last issue. So she leaves it outside of his door with a note. Uh it's got like a little nice like, you know, I did something good. Uh again, best stuff of the issue is the interaction. So when Steph's like saying I'm a weak link, I feel bad. Cash stands up and says, No, you're not, you are strong, and points down with this really angry look in her face, like, You are strong, damn it. Um, again, them sticking up for each other, like, Cash really caring about Steph as, like, a sister type character is really nice. Um, you know, de- definitely my, I, my favorite part of the book was this last, well, these few pages, these, these, this chunk of pages. Uh, the ending, though, which is Babs goes to bed. And she's looking at the business card, because this guy was was definitely flirting with her. Uh, But then Dick calls her, and she's like, oh, hey, Dick. Uh, And, like, they kind of start flirting on the phone. um, And Dick says something like, uh, do you want to come over and spend the night with me? And she's like, ah, it's quite quite late. You know, and he says, oh, but since we're already on the phone, and Bab says, you're rather randy tonight, Mr. Grayson. And I thought, that was a weird line. And then... Like, he points out and says, did you just say Randy? And then it turns into a Phil on Austin Powers reference where she says, I know pretty
1: shagadelic of me. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> See, whenever I hear Randy, that's, I, I, now I, I am conditioned to think of Archer, because that whenever he needs a fake name, like an alias, mm. Randy is always what he goes with. Uh I, I I there's a specific scene from the hit television show Buffer the
0: Vampire Cell that I always think of when I think of the name of Randy. When when yeah. they lose their memories and Spike thinks his name is Randy Giles and he goes on a rant about oh, yeah. how it's a horrible name. Uh but this weird like Austin Powers referencing is that, this is the thing this is not actually a dick. It turns out this is actually Seer with a voice modulator and then kind of reveals like, you know That is Babs. That... <laughs> that is Babs, yeah. Babs is the one <laughs> who says Randy and then says Shagadelic.
1: That is Babs. <laughs> See the Randy like I I can get like I maybe mean, she just said so it was weird but whatever right but the shagadelic following up with that that's
0: yeah yeah I was like okay all right you're making your reference but it's a bit weird I mean do I like the idea that you know their relationships in a place that they are having flirty sex talk on the phone and stuff like I'm okay to establish that that's something they do and I know it's not really him right now but the idea that she is in a place with him where she would say like you know kinky things to him on the phone cool whatever. But it was just kind of like this is a bit specifically pop culture reference. And it's like really weird old pop culture as well. Like, I was like nine when this movie came out.
1: <laughs> it's weird because this, this book came out, it's aimed at all ages, which it, for the most part, I'm, I'm sure it is. Right? And mm. that, that's very, from what I've read of it, it yeah, sure, it seemed perfectly fine for, you know, younger people. To, how many younger people now have watched Austin Powers?
0: Mom, what does shagadelic mean?
1: Yeah, that's strange.
0: I can, I can, I can barely tell you what shagadelic means. I have a vague, (laughs) vague sort of idea. A long time. (laughs) Um, I I guess it just means you're sexy more than anything else. If you're shagadelic, but uh, yeah. So it's that. It's definitely over stuff still, and honestly the worst part about it which I've not mentioned and this is maybe with the wordiness that, that
1: Matt's going to complain about I, uh, I found his tweet which I'll I'll read out after you finish
0: it. Yeah. Is that it's the, I mean the dialogue's a bit wordy but it's kind of witty wordy so I don't have a problem with that so much the problem is the weird narration which is still there which isn't any one of the characters because it's third person but it's kind of phrased sometimes like it is one of them so it's kind of confusing and it's mostly unnecessary and could just be like you could just dump it all it wouldn't matter
1: yeah i remember feeling that
0: and it would just it would just it would just be better if it was just gone but it's for, for some reason it's it is a weird part as well but ent- it when it shows you this the uh the saints you know these these soldier dudes uh or ladies that are on the the rooftop there's, there's a bit of this narration that's thrown in here where it's like hey these characters were you know had a big introduction back in issue two if you haven't read that uh then just trust us I was like, okay that was a bit excessive. And then, you turn, last issue. and then you turn the page and it continues because actually in second thought if you haven't read issue 2 go back and read it now we'll wait and like what stop doing weird editor note things in this narration it's, it's odd stop it <laughs> it's too much you're trying to put in too, many, too much witness into it like the just the characters being witty with each other is good enough although the Austin Powers references went a bit far but everything else is fine this is too much this narration has to go it's terrible
1: yeah so. Yeah, I really didn't like it either. Uh, yeah, Matt just said, um, "I'm just gonna read it out in his absence because you know he didn't give us any thoughts." So mm-hmm. th- these are public thoughts. So you know, uh, he goes, I think I've reached my limits on back my limit on back girls. Oh, it was too shagadelic it- for him. <laughs> it's a shame because I love all three characters in the creative team, but the story just isn't working for me. For a standard I- for a standard issue, each one feels annual sized in the way it makes me go, "How many pages are left?" It's a bummer. <laughs>
0: yeah it's definitely on the word I, I think and taking out that narration would maybe not completely fix that but it would definitely a bit help it I mean it has to read at least 20% faster if you're not reading all that so yeah I mean I, I'm not dropping it yet and I, I do love the characters so I do want to kind of like keep having more of them in my because you know while they're in detective right now that's not going to last I don't think so it's, this this is going to
1: become that book like what what legion was from <laughs> that but for years it's like, I want a legion book I want a legion book and then, like six issues in, he's like, "I hate this Legion book." This is better than Legion, though. I'll say that this is not as bad as that Legion book. But you didn't like Legion to begin with, or sure. you don't—you don't have any attachment to the Legion. True, but
0: with. there's definitely still things I like about this book, though. Even if I'm saying there's objective problems with what's going on yeah. right now, uh,
1: that's fair. But I—I just, I just think it would be funny mm. if, because, and I say this with the high, with with knowledge that this is going to happen to me probably soon. The, the knowledge that, okay, Matt's book was The Legion and then he didn't enjoy it. It was bad. Your book was Batgirl's. You've been, you've been asking for this specific concept for years. Yeah. And I, then, I, I, yeah.
0: I wanted Brian for, to rate it though, so I mean, you know. Oh,
1: well, yeah, but you, you wanted this book still, right? Yes. For me, it's, we're going to get that JSA book in the next year or so. <laughs> and I'm going to hate it and I'm going to be miserable. So I, I'm laughing now. With the full knowledge that you will laugh at me in the not too distant future,
0: mm. life will find a way. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a way to disappoint us.
0: So the art, the art is uh, still pretty solid, though. If you've been liking the style of the first two issues, there's like no changes. It's the same artist doing the same thing. Uh, it's very cartoony and expressive. Like I say, the good job of like getting Cassie's like facial expressions through the mask down. You know, simple little things like that. Just really it basically has a lot of character, so the art is still very good. Um, Maybe the only thing I would say is that there's maybe a few too many panels in the layouts for some of the fight sequences. They feel maybe a little bit in the messy side, but the actual expressions and the characters and that side of the art is very, very good, and the colours are very, you know, vivid and pulpy and stuff, so... um, Yeah. yeah, I'll probably I'll give it a 6.5, I think. I'm not going to quite call it, you know, at, at that 7 of like good but i will say it's still i think worth the time but uh we'll see how it progresses we'll see how it prog- I mean, the problems could keep compelling though you know there's so it's one of those things where i i think each issue has been worse than the last and i don't know if it's necessarily because they're actually getting worse necessarily although there's definitely more narration in this than there has been any other, other issues uh more it's more narration. just bloody hell but i think i think it's maybe just more um you know, these issues do compound as time goes on if they're not being rectified. But I do, I do generally wonder though what will happen when we, when it moves into, a, like, a, a new arc where it isn't spinning so many plots, because some of them will be naturally wrapped up. Uh, does it introduce more so it's always got this many plots, or does it actually calm be. down a little bit? You know, that, be, that would be the hope, but we'll see. There you go. Uh, Batman Urban Legends issue 12. You read a couple of stories in this, so
1: yeah, I did. On. I read the Batman's Zatanna story and then the the White Witch one, because um, those are the two I read last time. Uh, I'll start with the the Batman's it, It's not as good as the first the first part. It's it's not good bad. Dear. Let me let me like get that out of the way straight off. It's it's not a bad issue because I think it is pretty much a full issues worth. But it is notably weaker, a little bit messier. I would say. Uh, and it undercuts part of its final moment that I didn't really enjoy uh but it, it, you basically you have Batman and Zatanna, they're at this site of this ritual that they have to do every year or whatever it is, and this time it's gone a lot worse uh, there are things coming through um Zatanna likens it to the fact like oh the, the, there's there's this cut, and you know it keeps popping the stitches open, so every year we come and you know and sew it back shut, but this time. Something's coming out with a meat cleaver and just bust it open, and the only way we're going to fix it now is we're going to need a full skin graft. Essentially, is the way they're liking it, uh, as opposed to just sewing it shut. It's 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 a bigger problem now, uh, and there is a big two-page spread that I found difficult to follow because it's kind of like a one of those circular pages, or well, it's got a, you know it's split into a circular motion, and it has a lot of. Um, it has narration boxes across the top, and they move down in a diagonal pattern. So I was like, "Okay, this this is the, the the angle I read it." And you get to that, and then you read some dialogue that comes after, and then you you your eyes flick back across, and there's some dialogue over on back on the left hand side as well, which is actually. Uh, a repeated mantra like one's Batman saying it and one's Tana, or they're, maybe the alternating line between them each I can't remember exactly but it's the, the pair of them doing it and it's a bit of an awkward thing where I, I, I didn't I didn't read it in the right order at first because even though it's a circular p- uh, page by the time I got to the end of the because um, the, the third dialogue box on one side I, I think what I was supposed to do was follow the circle around and read back up the other way. But nothing in that circle actually led my eyes that way. So I just saw, oh, there's more things on the left. So I flitted back up and, and read it left to right again for that section, which I realized was the wrong way when I realized it was backwards to the lines that were on the other side. And it was, it was strange. So I, got the, I, I don't know what the impression was supposed to be. Was it supposed to be this repeated mantra? Like they were taking, you know, one was saying and then the other one or were they supposed to be saying it at the same time? I, I didn't really get an impression of kind of how that dialogue was supposed to flow. And that's kind of probably the, the middle of the story. And it, it definitely kind of hampered the flow of the issue for me, uh, which was a shame. Um, but they kind of succeed, or at least for now. But it looks like something's come through and it it's hungry. And it, it it's it's called EOS. Eos and there's there's another one there already. Uh, these beings, they they look like people, but like with like demonic eyes, and they kind of feed on the life force of things. So he feeds on this dog. It's like this little corgi that's running towards him, and he picks it up, and it's like its energy drains from it and goes into his eyes, and it's just this it it disappears. You see this like shell, like a translucent shell of where it was. So I'm assuming that's all that's left of it. I, I, I don't even know how that works. If it's still alive. It's it's a little unclear. Um, but it could be an interesting enough threat to deal with, for sure. Uh, you know, we have a Batman and Zatanna, they patch each other up, they're on a bit of a talk and kind of gets to the crux of what their relationship is where every year they do this and they feel each other's emotions for like months afterwards. And Bruce apparently always pulls away, and whenever he does this, he's like, "Oh, you know, they, they they don't even talk." And Santa's upset. because like, "Oh, you don't actually want to be my friend, or anything like that." Because anytime you've got a chance to actually get to know me, when you can, you know, feel emotions like this, you're like, want nothing to do with it. So this time I've done it, so that we're separated. And this is the part of the issue where I feel like it it kind of ruined with the starting because it's all oh, the intruder alarms go off. There's someone here batman goes to investigate you have this you know shadowy kind of sequence of oh there's someone down there singing a song and uh it turns out it's constantine which is fine Uh, and this would have played as a nice little moment where because it's not clear who it is at first until batman's swooping down and then and then it does this kind of uh full page of you know batman big with a cape spread coming down and but and he's still not fully lit up. But you can see underneath. You can see the trench coat. He's got the he's got a lighter out. And you're yeah, like, oh, I, I see it's it's Constantine. But the first page is Constantine in a bar, being like, oh, ah, oh, Zatanna, what you got yourself into this time? Because he's seen the reports of something's happening. And I feel like it really undercut the the mood of the, these final few pages because we knew Constantine was in the issue because of that first page. I don't know. Strange storytelling technique for me. Um so yeah, a bit of a disappointing issue, but not, not bad by any means. But yeah. Um that story gets like a five point five for me, I think. Mm-hmm. And then the the second one I read was the White Witch story. This was the the Ram V one, which was the highlight last time and still is this time. And yeah, and on the art is just phenomenal again. Uh this time it plays she's being uh interviewed um by i assume some psychiatrist and she has a lot of code words and phrases that are like okay establish your personal code and right okay and then who are you and so it goes through how much she you try to figure out how much this clone remembers do do they know you know white witch do they know her actual name you know uh ria do they know you know where she was before like what her job was just trying to establish what she knows and we get, again, a little bit more of these flashbacks, which she's very unclear on. So it's, it's very hazy, this stuff in the, in the mountains with Bruce and Ghostmaker. And just bits of that, that past. But it, it boils down to the, uh, the psychiatrist kind of basically going, no, no, you've got this eidetic memory and rapid comprehension. So basically she can read really fast and remember all of it because of the, the memory and they're assuming the this combination of things is why she can remember all her you know all her, her all her past but no, but she's not creating new memories it's very um memento where up to a certain point she can can remember kind of everything and then it hits this stage and she doesn't create any new memories because they keep killing her and and they keep just getting a new clone and those memories aren't being shared across, even though I get the impression they're maybe cloning her from after she's had these points. Um, because there's clearly an implication that she can learn to um to get these memories across lives. Um, because the psychiatrist she gives her a book. It's like, hey, you know, you, you read it with your powers alone 80 seconds, remember it all. And we remember by associating them with memories. And if you can associate this with this specific book, which is about uh, every, uh, this guy who is Soldiers of the Mist, who, you know, this, this guy who, whenever he sleeps, he would lose all his memories. So the idea is, okay, there's a thematic, thematic link between this story and your life. If you can link that to your memory, you should be able to remember new things across your clone lives, and you'll be able to essentially free yourself from, from this prison. Uh, but Samson comes in and drags the psychiatrist away and... And then uh, kills this this clone of White Witch, and that's that's the end of the story. It's it's this very harsh, just you know, execution styled gunshot, you know, up against the head, and then and then a bang, and then you just see some blood splatter on the pages of the book. And it's so moody and ethereal. This this story, this art is stunning, and it, it's very much a. It says to be concluded. So I'm assuming this is just a three part story. Very interesting to see how this ends with her and how or if she manages to break free of, of this cycle and what that'll mean. Uh, and can I, you know, if we'll see more of this character going forward because obviously this is V's character and he's, he's running here again uh, as, as he did in Catwoman, but will she be popping up in one of his future projects or will someone else use her? I don't know. But either way, um, depending on what the end of this story is, I definitely hope to see more of her because this is really interesting stuff. Um, no, this this story is, it's a lot shorter. I think this is only maybe ten pages compared to the twenty odd of the first one, mm. but it's a lot tighter. It's it uses that those pages really effectively to tell this this really strong personal story. Uh, no, this this is like a nine for this story. I mean, I, I suppose I have to average to average the two out, it's probably only like a seven, maybe a seven point five, because this is a shorter story, so it has less weighting, but it is significantly sure. better.
0: It's uh, probably a seven overall. Okay. There you go. All right. Uh, Batman Catwoman issue 10, Tom King and Clayman. Clayman's back. Because he was off the last couple. It was uh, uh, Liam Sharp filling in for a little bit. Wasn't wasn't your favorite Liam Sharp work, if I remember? No, not particularly. Uh, uh, Clayman's art is great. Uh, and this, I'll get that out of the way first. It's very, very good. Uh, unsurprisingly. It usually is. It usually is, you know. Like, there's been one or twice where maybe, like, the one weirdly over-sexualized image or something's been mm. in there, but other than that, typically very, very good. Um, this this ish, this sort of series, rather, has been a weird kind of journey and it's felt like this weird kind of Elseworld, but also tactons kind of the end of the King's Batman run, uh but notably not as good as king's other prestige series it's it's always kind of felt felt a little bit weird in that sense even though there's been some very good moments in it and it's sad that you know some of the stuff that was the most exciting early on which was the introduction of phantasm and the the art associated with the phantasm stuff because ultimately the phantasm involvement f- feels kind of minimal at this point and feels done and gone and like barely like a factor anymore and this issue in particular is essentially a fight scene between Joker and Catwoman playing out in two timelines. And then in the future timeline, Selena and her daughter are having a fight of sorts and they all kind of play out sort of side by side, kind of intersecting. Uh, and you know, there's, there's moments where Joker's like lying on the ground and like the top panels, him in the, the, the middle stuff. And then the, the right underneath the rest of his body is like his body lying in the snow from like the past. And, Things like that. So there's some, there's some layout ideas there. I'll be honest though, like, you know, the, the, the gaps between issues and not necessarily it being the easiest stories to remember because it is jumping between these two time periods, is like, I, I actually wasn't sure reading this, which Joker and Selina story were the, sort of, the present day set after the Phantasm stuff timeline and which stuff was set in the, the, the past timeline. It was. It wasn't entirely clear to me reading this issue on its own which one was which, um, and it, 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 it's it's a murky story ultimately, and it's 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 felt a bit messier than some of King's other stuff, and I don't know if it's just going to read better when you can read it all in one go and like I'm not having this issue remembering things from from previous, but the the two big points that come out of this issue is. Selena in yelling at Joker in the various timelines, uh, we find out kind of something she believes about Joker that's interesting. Now, it's not necessarily something that's confirmed, but it's something that she believes about Joker, is that Joker isn't crazy. Joker isn't crazy like all the other criminals in Gotham are. Joker and Batman are actually a lot more alike than anyone else would think, is that she believes that Joker, much like Batman, has made a conscious choice to be who he is, to hide himself, right? Because she always sees Batman as like, you know, Bruce being this, this scared little boy who's hiding behind this persona because he's, he's waging this war on crime. And the Joker is kind of similar. And the Joker knows exactly what he's doing all the time. He's not crazy. He completely understands and he's going for, he's trying to evoke certain reactions. He's evoking a, a persona the entire time. But ultimately, he's not doing it because he's a psychopath. He's not doing it because he's crazy and he's erratically changing his mind he, he he's just as smart as batman is and he's doing things know- knowingly in the same way that batman is um so it's kind of like drawing this comparison between them um you know and I, you, know, like, you can i honestly think it's a, a completely ludicrous take honestly i'm not saying it's necessarily the one that i would want to be canon and the one to prefer but the just a, as a think piece, the idea that Joker isn't just a raving madman, and he is intentionally choosing these things because it's the stuff that will evoke the most reactionary.
1: Kind of the um, is it Dark Knight Returns, the 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 hyper sane
0: Oh yeah, it's it, this is not the the first time this idea has came up. Certainly, but by no, by no, no, no means no, am I suggesting was that. Was that in
1: Arkham Asylum? I can't remember.
0: It definitely come up a few times throughout the years. Uh, this idea, um, the, he's he's sort of more like a. Again, okay, okay, it's, it's like like Batman being theatrical. This is just his version of being theatrical as the Joker persona, yeah. uh, which is an interesting idea. I don't necessarily hate it as a think piece. I, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I ever want it to be confirmed though. Which is why I kind of like saying, no, it's just Selena thinks this. That doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But this is yeah. her perspective.
1: Pers- per, you know. Which I think that's something that a lot of people overlook, and especially clickbait websites overlook. Is oh, that- sure. Yeah. Just because a character says something or a character thinks something doesn't make it true.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and There's a nice irony as well because he seems like the most crazy of all the villains. The idea that he's not actually crazy in the same way, at least. You know, he's a sociopath certainly, <laughs> but you know, he's he's not crazy in the same way that the others are. Uh, yeah. the, he's you know he's he's random and crazy by design rather than actually just being random and crazy. Um. So that's not, that's not terrible. It's, it's an idea, certainly. Um, so you've got that playing out. You've also got the stuff in the future where at this point, Selena has been arrested for Joker's murder, but she's escaped. And Helena's Batwoman jumps out to stop her. And Selena basically picks a fight, uh, calls her an ungrateful brat, provokes her, is actually satisfied when she starts to fight back. Because at first, you know, Helena's kind of resisting and doesn't want to fight her. Um, And it gets to this point where... I'm just I'm just trying to skim through this to get to it, um, where she she talks about Hel- Helena how like you know I love you you're my daughter I'm proud, but you know listen to me you know you are far more like your father, um, Bruce Wayne was a sad man, um, and I wanted him to be happy so I gave I th- you know I said yes I gave him the answer he wanted when the time came but he owes me a debt, um, and says do you want to know joker's secret why i had to cut his throat and watch him go and i was like, okay it's building up to her revealing something and it never actually reveals it but it adds more to it at the end which is it's a little concerning where it might go
1: <laughs> honestly so is this selena saying all this yes i'm not sure i like this take on selena that's fair from an outsider perspective just not reading the book, just kind of hearing bits.
0: I think the, the problem with Selena in this book, because I really liked the exploration of Selina's like, relationship with the Joker and how she shifted from being like a villain who'd associated herself with the Joker and the other villains to being more of an anti-hero who associated herself with Batman. I think exploring that was really interesting. The more the series went on, though, the more Selena has felt like a bit of a cold, cynical character who, you know, even her relationship with Bruce, which is supposed to be kind of heartfelt, uh, has felt a little bit cynical.
1: Not what you've just said there, the, the, what she said of oh, I said yes, because uh, you know, I felt sorry for him. Or something along those lines. I don't know the exact thing you just said. Um, but that feels completely at odds with what King did in his actual Batman run. Mm. I mean, but so- it, it, it feels completely out of character, for, assuming this is supposed to be the end point of that run.
0: I mean, it's it's one of these things where, though, is is she saying this because she's trying to provoke something in Helena rather than because that's, what you know... Is it the truth, though? That's thing? yeah.
1: Um,
0: But... Yeah, so... But she says, yeah, he owes me a debt. uh, And I get to ask, as he asked, and you have to say yes. And Helena's like, Dad's dead, I owe you shit, I'm not him. And then she says, this is Selena." Oh my love, my beautiful daughter, don't you know by now? And then the last page is actually just the end of the, the Catwoman and Joker fight. Um and then there's no like sort of conclusion to that. So I don't know what she's about to reveal necessarily. Um or what she's hinting at here. Like honestly part of me got worried and like, wait, are they gonna try and reveal that Helena's actually Joker's daughter? That Selena Joker had a thing? Because it kind of feels like it's building up to something like that and I certainly would not, they still could. and I'm not enjoy. I wouldn't enjoy that if that's where they go with it. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly where this is going. Um, it's kind of a, it's it's a weird, it's just funny, the most funny about this is the art is generally very good, obviously, in this issue, and there's a lot of interesting dialogue going thrown back and forth between Catwoman and Joker as Catwoman kind of analyzes Joker and compares him to Batman or even analyzes Batman when she's talking to Helena. There there is some interesting character stuff he kind of sprinkled in throughout. But as a story, as an issue, it's a little bit frustrating because it is all just one big fight taking, or three fights taking place sort of simultaneously between three timelines and intercutting constantly. Um, And at a certain point, like, and part of this is just because I I haven't been into this, this series, the last couple of issues. It's kind of like, Teetered off a little bit as it's as it's gone past the phantasm stuff. It's kind of like veered away from what was kind of interesting about it. And Selena has felt colder. But then you add on to that the fact that I'm ha- I'm struggling to remembering what timeline is which, and I'm struggling to remember where these three timelines all left off last issue. It it is it, it's feeling a bit messy. It's it's feeling a little bit like it's hard to kind of like get my head around and sort of keep track of where where emotionally each version of Selena is in each part of the timelines. You know, the future one's a bit easier because it's so distinctly different, but the other two are really hard to kind of keep track of right now. Mm. So, uh, I had a frustrating time but reading that, that, this, honestly.
1: Out of interest, just on that. That and uh, that, that question there about the, uh, you know, they're not distinct enough. Is that in the, the writing's not distinct enough between them or the art isn't distinct enough between them? Or a well, bit of both? They're distinct
0: in terms of being separate from each other in this issue, but the, but I I have a, I, I cannot remember which one was which timeline from the previous issue. So I don't know which one is the middle timeline and which one's the past timeline. And one Joker... Because Joker's wearing a Santa outfit in one of them, so it's very easy to tell which Joker's... And, and Selena's wearing different outfits in each one as well. But I don't remember from the last issue if it's the middle timeline that Joker's wearing a Santa outfit or if it's the past timeline where Joker's wearing a Santa mm-hmm. outfit. And because they're both having fights in snowy locations and fairly similar, like, circumstances... I just, like, I couldn't remember, so.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: You know, I, yeah, so but there's a lot of frustration here, and it's not clicking quite as much. As much as there's little elements of character study stuff coming through that I do kind of like here or there, uh, it's definitely not that satisfying as an overall issue. It, it does, in a lot of ways, feel like it's one of those later Tom King Batman issues where it kind of had, had gone off the rails and just wasn't that fun to read it anymore. It does feel kind of like that era of Batman again from King, unfortunately. was a shame uh so like for for me like the art is really good uh but i, I really can't give it more than like a five <laughs> like Oof. maybe a 5.5 something in that range uh like i'm gonna finish it now because there's only two issues left i might as well get to the end and see how it wraps up but uh it's it's such a weird thing though because like i mean i know you're not feeling positive on tom king in a general sense but everything else he's done recently i think I've i've been thinking it's amazing and part of me just feels like he should just stay away from like traditional superheroes at this point. <laughs> and... Does
1: it in any because this is obviously tied to his Bat Run, and even though you say you know it feels like periods at the end of his Bat Run without yes. messiness, does it make you in any way worried for his upcoming Bat Mini? I know ah! he said this is a different take on Batman and that it's a bit more of a fun blockbustery thing, but does it maybe concern you? It
0: doesn't concern me, but only because I have no stakes. If I, if I read the first issue or two of this new Batman mini and I don't like it, I can just stop reading it. and it doesn't, That's not a big deal.
1: I will say, I, I, when that was solicited, I was fairly excited by that, in, in the sense of, okay, maybe it's a different Tom King book, right? That yeah. maybe I'll enjoy. What I have learned recently is Tom King lies <laughs> when he's pitching books. Because um, uh, I, I learned that from his Substack book, you know, that one that he... he he launched a couple of weeks ago they was like hey it's a, it's a, it's a romance comic and i was like oh cool that's something different i'll i'll check that out and yeah yes technically it's a romance comic but there's a pretty heavy time traveling supernatural baby kind of heavy bent twist to it that appeal, definitely appeals more towards modern comics genre readers but none of that was in the pitch none of that was in any of the information about it they you know they was in the promoting of it it was all just hey it's a romance comic go check it out and it was free so I did and it isn't until halfway through the issue where it it has this drop and you're like oh 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 you're doing this and now I'm like is he lying to me about the Bat Book as well well there's no
0: stakes in the Bat Book like if, if it's good it's good if it's bad I will just want to read the rest of it and it's fine I, I'm not really that fussed
1: there's, there's more stakes in the romance comic and I have to pay for the Bat Book and I don't have to pay for the romance comic
0: yeah, but I'm I'm not concerned though, because I don't mind if it's if it's disappointing, like oh it's disappointing, but all oh, just because this new mini is disappointing, not because like I I'm invested and it needs to be good because it relates to something I care about necessarily. No,
1: well, that's fair. it'd be disappointing in the sense of if you get excited for something like the other except for the possibility of a good book and then it's disappointing. Oh well, yeah, but
0: because it's a Tom King Bat book, I'm very not excited. I'm like very neutral because of how his Bat run ended and because of how Yeah. Batman Catwoman's going. So if anything, is you know, it can impress me quite easily, because the, the expectations are very muted on the whole For thing. Sure. Uh so but Human so Target is like knocking out of the park. Rorschach and Strange Adventures were both knocking out of the park, so uh I'm still very much pro Tom King. It's just very clearly there is the odd little misfire from him, but Heroes in Crisis being the other one obviously, but um All these other big books he's done, loved them all, so you know? Uh so just cause you haven't read Omega Men yet. Don't 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 be too mad. Uh King or Tom Taylor pretended to be Tom King. Uh <laughs> oh, see I might enjoy the books more if that was the case. Uh but there you go. Uh that's uh my thoughts on Batman Catwoman issue ten. Uh just kind of a frustrating time. And honestly there's a lot of really positive reviews of this online from a quick glance I had. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't really get why. A lot of them were just praising how good the art is, and I'm like, yeah, the art is pretty good, Uh, but I, I don't think the, the comic is that enjoyable to read that much right now, so it's a shame. But there you go. Uh, but yeah, that will take us on to the part of the show where we pick our favourites of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and uh, top... potentially five books most weeks, but not this week.
1: Uh, I don't so, think there's a five, do we? No, I don't think I read... Four and you read three? I read three. If I separate yeah. the two over legend stories, I've got
0: four. So, yeah, it's light week, Late week on books. Uh, also, this is the first time I think in a long time we have started this section before the two hour mark. Um, so,
1: yeah, a combination of well, there's only two of us. So, yes. inherently less comments and less books. So, less books and also not that much news.
0: Yeah, uh, but we're actually pretty close to two hours though which I, I didn't think we'd even hit that long. So you know what? I'm, I'm not feeling you too to bad. Add it, it more with some sports talk. Oh, I really do not know. Uh, go on. What's your favorite panel
1: slash moment of the week? I, I genuinely thought you had to go. Go on, then. What you watch your sports talk? Never. I was I was very confused for the first half of that sentence. I was like, Why are you actually letting me do this? Um. Now I'm I'm going with uh, the execution from the end of the White Witch story in Urban Legends. It was very effective.
0: Uh, very nice. Uh, I I guess I will go with. Um, I'm almost tempted, even though that I wasn't like super high on the book overall, to go with the uh, the emoji speech bubble for Cass and Batgirls because it was such a fun little moment out of nowhere. But uh, I think, in second thoughts, though, I will probably just go with someone from Detective or Superman.
1: I imagine if it's detective, you're probably picking something from the backup. Uh,
0: yeah, potentially. Um. Nah, you know what? I'll go with Superman. I'll go with um. The uh the moment where the. The the big monsters started to rise out of the water that full page spread. So it was a nice big epic page. Uh, notably, there's not a lot to pick from this week. So
1: there's not that many books. No.
0: Yeah, I'm putting a lot of, a bit of thought into that to get there, but uh, I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, all right, uh, cover of the week. Do you have something?
1: Um, yeah, I'll I'll show a couple of the nice covers. Um, I think all the detective covers covers are nice. All three of them are, mm-hmm. are gorgeous, and I think. Uh, I I like the the uh, the Batgirls variant. Uh, p- not that I actually like it. I just like how much I know people hate it, so that 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 makes me like it more. I'm not even going to look at it. Oh, there's no point. In it's that a very it chibi Valentine's Day thing. Uh, but I'm I'm going to go with the Urban Legends variant, the White Witch one. Fair enough. Uh, I'll shout out the variant for Superman, the Travis
0: Moore one with Superman and uh, with Aquaman. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I think that's pretty nice. Uh my pick though is going to be the regular cover for Detective, uh, which is the sort of the, the red batarang with the reflection of Batwoman in it. I think that's a really nice
1: uh I do like that one. And the the colour choice as well, with it being Kate is,
0: yeah. is nice. Yeah, it's just is a really nice cover. A really simple I, and I like that on one side of the batarang it's like uh like a, well not white, it's like a cream, and then the other side is black. So you got this sort of two tone kinda effect from it as well, which is really nice. So, uh, that's my pick for cover, uh, and then, our, art of the week, you
1: got what you got? Um, can I pick the White Witch story from Urban Legends? Sure, why not? Um, that would be, if, if, if not that, I'd have to probably just go with Detective, but, I mean, there's not much to choose from, is there?
0: Yeah. Uh... I mean, I'd be tempted to see Batgirls again, but it did get a bit messy in places. But it's definitely very stylistically, that sticks out. And Clayman's art's pretty good. Mm. Uh, And Batman Catwoman. But I think I I have to go with Detective, just in the sense that I like the art in the main story, I like the art in the backup. um, And there wasn't any moments where I had a problem, really. So I'll go with that. It's a very muted selection, though. Uh, They're all very muted selections, because there's not a lot of books.
1: I, I feel that about a lot of this week choices in general, not just art, just in general that yeah. there's not a lot of books, and it's not that most of them are bad books, but they're not standout books sta- Yeah, not, it's, it's, very, it's, it's, a, it's a fine week.
0: They're not standout issues, and that's okay. They're not always going to be the best of the best, but yeah.
1: uh, alright, rank your books then, go honey, go. go. Um, am I splitting the urban legend stories, or do I just count it as one thing? One thing. Oh, well if I'm doing that, I guess Detective Comics comes first. And then... Then I guess Urban Legends, maybe that story just about pulls it up above Superman Son of but I mean, they're pretty close to be honest.
0: No, uh, I mean I'll I'll actually put Superman on top, uh, and then Detective, and then Batgirls, and then Batman Catwoman.
1: Yeah, it's it's the backup pulling Detective up for me as well. That that, that it's the backup that notably puts it you know above the others.
0: I mean that's fair. I I think. Um... I think ultimately, I mean, I'm considering that a little bit, but ultimately, I'm kind of weighing up more against the main story than I am, yeah, main story plus backup. But, uh, yeah, I Do mean, you remember uh, to
1: be jotting down your scores this week.
0: I did have not I noted them all yeah.
1: Usually, I can see you doing it, but I-, I didn't notice you this time.
0: I think it's probably just because there's less of us, and uh, it was very quick. <laughs> maybe I'm just getting better at it. Maybe yeah. it's getting smoother
1: because I'm just yeah. Maybe it's just becoming a bit bit more of a, an instinct. Yeah. So there you go.
0: Uh, So I'll tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics then. Um, So coming up next week, we have Detective Comics 1053, as you'd expect. We got Nightwing 89. Uh, They started that crossover that we mentioned between Superman and Nightwing. We got The Flash 779. Maybe Matt will be up to date for that issue. He's getting closer.
1: Yeah, it's possible.
0: He's getting closer. Depends how busy he's helping
1: his brother, I suppose.
0: Uh, We got Justice League 72, Wonder Woman 784, batman the knight issue two we got uh supergirl woman of tomorrow issue eight so that's the end of another tom king book which has been pretty damn good so looking forward to that we got green Lantern issue 11 we have aquaman the becoming issue six batman versus big A wolf and gotham issue six nubia and the amazons issue five suicide squad king shark issue six refrigerator full of heads issue four dc horror presents soul plumber issue 5, and then of course we have Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, 114, and Mad Magazine, issue 24. Um, I will say, I do plan and catch, because I never t- read the last issue of Refrigerator Full of Heads, I think based on time last month, uh, but I have been meaning to to catch up on that, so I, I should hopefully be yeah. reading if, that if issue. You
1: do, I think that leaves us at 7 books in total, assuming no one's reading Green Lantern. I think Matt dropped that, did he not? I yeah, I, I think he did, that's why I'm not 100% sure. But a seven books, if if that's the case, which is, I mean, not a huge week, but it's not tiny. Yeah,
0: but we're we'll going to have Solisus next week for sure. So uh, that is true. Yeah. So we'll we'll have plenty to talk about next week on the show. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's what's coming next week. I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, De Palacios, David Sharp, Board Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison m four days. They are Patreon producers for the month. You can, of course, support us over at Patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and help keep all the content coming. And, of course, at the $5 tier, you get the show sometime late on a Saturday uh, early before all the public get it uh, sometime on a Sunday. So uh, go and have a look and see if you're interested in supporting the show that way. You can, of course, support us for free by liking, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications on YouTube or rating the podcast five stars with a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, but that is uh, that is it. And if you're interested in the torture of me... Um, Who isn't? For Valentine's Day, on the Melfa's Movies channel, there's going to be reviews... Streams After Midnight is going to have a review of Twilight Eclipse, the third Twilight movie. Of course, we already did the first two. So if you want to see me being tortured and miserable, you can check out that. Uh, and also, there's going to be a review of the entire Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy uh, that I did with special guest David
1: i just like to say, I'm I'm disappointed on behalf of the viewers that you aren't spending Valentine's Day itself live streaming the last Twilight film, I can't remember the name of it, damn it, both, both parts. Both parts? I don't know, I need, mil- I need
0: to milk that for everything that's worth. There'll be goals for each part, you're not getting one breaking done. Super part. Session. No, 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 that's not happening. Uh, but yes, uh, so by all means, uh, go check out uh, the other content and stuff. Uh, but that is me, so thank you once again uh, for watching, listening. We always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speed Force.